Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon run into the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> this is our fucking city, and nobody going to dictate our city. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. It is the Christmas special. Uh, Does everyone here, I didn't even ask, does everyone here celebrate Christmas? I don't think that that matters. Christmas to me is not, uh, it's not a, like, I'm taking the religion out of, out of uh, the Christmas holiday this year. It's just, uh, it's just a time to get together with your pals. Like that's, that's to me is, is what Christmas is all about. Okay. All right. Brock Holt is here. Uh, <laughs> I was, hey, I was waiting for someone else to say something first. Yeah, yes, that that's usually here. what happens. Is uh, it, if I don't if I don't directly prompt someone by name, no one wants to jump in first. Wait, I should have I should have done that. I'm sorry. Um, well, you're I, you're like you're the I, guest. You're the guest. Like I like obviously, if if people aren't watching on YouTube and they didn't see your name in the title or something. They might not even have known that you were here unless I was like, hey, Brock Holt's here. But Brock Holt's here for the the Brock. Christmas special. Brock Holt is here. Wow. Live audience. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Are you, are you sick? Are you sick of the standing ovations? I mean, I feel like I feel like at this point, uh, you've gotten you've gotten so many farewell send offs and special messages. Like, do you ever get tired of that? I mean that that right there was almost as loud as Fenway was when I came back with the Nationals. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, they cranked the they cranked the volume up that day. I think. Yeah. I, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard from many people that that was the loudest. Uh, the volume was turned up all season. So it was definitely, um, it was definitely. You couldn't even hear it. 
Deafening. Yep. So Brock Holt is here. Brock Holt does celebrate Christmas. Um, okay. And I also, and I too like, I, I, I like to hang out with my friends as well. So, um, yeah. occasion to do that. Yeah. You're, uh, I feel like it's a you're training for the marathon. It's like a holiday. Training for the marathon. Oh, sure. Um, yep. Training to run the marathon. We got, we got a few months, a few months to go. Second, second week of training. Um, it's going okay. I would say not great, but I feel like not it's bad. not going okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Let's be honest. I feel like you had, you had an injury in there at some point. Like, is that, well, when well, is the marathon? It's, it's in April. It's in April. Yeah. It's in April. It's, 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 it's probably going to be a nagging thing that I'm just going to have to grind through. Um, but I did, I went four miles today and was fine. So I think I'm, I think I'm getting to the bottom of it, figuring out what, what the culprit is and, and we're fixing it. So, um, we're good. I also listened to a uh, podcast this morning with Marcus Luttrell, uh, my guy, Dave Rutherford, and David Goggins. So I couldn't not make it through um, the four miles of light jogging um, based on what the, all, of, all of those guys have been through in their lives. So Tyler um, was nodding his head like he knew who those people were. I don't know right. who those people are. Who, sure. are, who are those people? I, I'm intelligent. Yeah, okay. Uh, Okay. Yeah, you don't. If you don't know who those people are, Jared, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to clean it up. Yeah, I, you, you, I'm, I'm gonna I, be a real I, man. An idea. It, it takes some real maturity. Uh, Goggins, he's the. He was in the Marines, right? Wasn't that the whole thing? And he does all those like crazy Hell Week and Iron Man yeah, and like and all that all, different shit. Yeah, all of them Navy SEALs, former Navy SEALs. Marcus um, Luttrell is the lone survivor, Mar- right? Marcus Luttrell is the lone survivor. Um, David Rutherford, Navy SEAL. Um, he actually did a lot of stuff with us, with the Sox for probably three, three years while I was there, came to spring training, did some, did some presentations, showed up here and there and was just a, just a badass dude. And then Goggins too, um, Navy SEAL, former Navy SEAL now does, I mean, just a bunch of just wild stuff. Just the dude is mentally above everyone else, um, puts his body through hell and lives to talk about it and can kick all of our asses are you speaking of asses are you aware that people who run the marathon sometimes shit themselves yeah yeah i'm hoping to find find a porter i'm hoping to find a porter <laughs> and that's a great that was a great segue uh, <laughs> speaking of asses yeah i'm hoping that that doesn't happen to me but yeah. if it does just another statistic you know I, that's why I was a little worried when you were like, I'm hoping to find, I thought, you, I thought the next word was going to be find out. Like, I'm hoping to find no, out yeah. that people yeah. shit themselves. I don't want to find out. I don't want to find yeah. out, but it's possible mm-hmm. that, that I do. Yeah, it's we'll definitely, have, it's on the table. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, logistically <laughs> speaking, it's, it's, it's possible to shit yourself no matter what you do. So Exactly. That's true. Exactly. Yeah. Which... But you're, I mean, you're kind of tempting I'm the, say, the I'm not saying the I have or have not I'm not saying I have or have not done that. <laughs> I feel like running a marathon is probably going to, you know, increase those chances a little bit. Exponentially, so. I would say. Um I going back to uh by the way, we're we're gonna we're gonna get into the holiday spirit in a second speaking, uh, after we transition speaking, from Brock shooting his speaking, Speaking of asses, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs>
<laughs> it was like the the comedic timing was not lost on me that of all the important Red Sox players who have come back for a <laughs> for a video tribute that you were pretty much the only one to come back during the empty stadium year. That was that was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. I was planning I was planning cuz I was with the Brewers for like 37 seconds and uh before covid we were supposed to the brewers were supposed to come to boston and i was pumped and then obviously covid happened no fans i get designated after 30 at bats find my way just driving right to fenway from my house to play for the nationals and um hey they're gonna do a um a video tribute for you today it's like there's not any body here but i'm in you know make sure the volume is turned up i want everybody in boston to hear you know um but i'm I'm glad they did one for me again when there were actually people there because yeah the i mean the video tribute it was it was funny but it was nice to it was nice to experience some real love from real people um yeah but that just goes to, i was there and that's that's when you got covid and you probably did shit your pants at some point in the I don't think I ever I don't think I ever did shit my pants while I had covid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that that was that's a um I don't know that that's a um a symptom. symptom symptom of covid. Oh, yeah. I've heard I've heard. I don't think yeah, I, no, it I could didn't get that. Anybody. I didn't get that one. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, I did get covid and then I gave it to everyone on the Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, what a coincidence! You can make I a case COVID. that Brock Holt, Brock Holt got COVID, gave it to. Wait, what year? This was twenty one, right? Yeah, okay, never mind. I was gonna say it, if, if gave it to Xander, which caused him to sign with the Padres. Yeah, that's that's the ripple effect. I mean, so. Brock, when you got COVID, it, though, that was what, end of August, right? That's when the entire, like, basically the season was crumbling, right? Oh, I got COVID and then Red Sox went out of town and then they all started getting COVID. So, and I was stuck in Boston. I was in the Commonwealth the whole time. Um, right. So, I don't know that I was going to bring you an Xbox. I think it was, <clears throat> I think it was past the, the time period of when, you know, they should have gotten it and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, a coincidence that I, I went down and then, um, I was hugging everybody on the field and then boom, COVID Red Sox COVID outbreak. Mm. I mean, you didn't give it to me. We hugged. I didn't give it. To, yeah. I didn't. I, yeah. I don't, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think I was contagious really. Demi, it could have been anybody. Could have been uh, does it? Does it? Uh, does it make you sad to see what it has happened to the Red Sox and and uh, all the all of your former teammates are just moving on? Like the 2018 Boston Red Sox have been completely dismantled at this point. I'm sad. I'm sad. The bogey one stings, man. The bogey one stings, but. As as sad as it makes me that I'm just as happy for him. I mean, obviously, I would have loved to see him end his career with the Red Sox. Um, you know, you just saw it with the Yankees. You know, sign Aaron Judge, paid him 
what he what he deserved, and he's going to end his career as a, as a New York Yankee, have his number retired, all that stuff, you know. Um, and as a baseball fan, that's what I, I like. I like that kind of stuff. Um, so as sad as I am for me, I'm happy for Bogey. I, I did text him and say, 11 years is a, a really long time. You're going to be really old. <laughs> Why would you ever sign a, a deal for 11 years? Um, yeah. But couldn't you have asked for like six for a little bit more money average mm. annually and been and mm-hmm. been fine? Gone down in the history mm-hmm. books as the great, which he's probably already the greatest Red Sox shortstop ever. But you play it out your career six more six more years, definitely going down. Um, so if I was Bogarts, I would have just asked for less years, more a little bit more money um, annually. But I guess he wanted to play till he was forty eight. So. Yeah, like, like, think about that. He's thirty years old. He's gonna play until he's forty-one. Like, you're, you're what, thirty-three? I'm thirty-four. And thirty-four. I, I, think I, I think if I was a good player, like a really good player, I would have been the first player to have gotten offered like a ten-year deal and said, "Can you go less years?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's too many. Yeah, like at some point you you want to like if you if you have enough money to live comfortably. I mean, obviously there's some guys that have that compete gene. Like Tom Brady's going to play until he's he's 55 years old at least. But I know if it were me and I had hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank, I would want to retire in my 30s so that I could enjoy life. Like I don't want to be retiring from baseball and then be like What's my son's name again? Like I, I don't know. I haven't really been around much. Like, uh, yeah. do I even still like my wife? I don't know. We haven't really hung out much. Yeah, I, I, I would have been the first one to say, "Hey, ten years is a little long. Can we, can, <laughs> can we cut that in? Can we cut that in about half? Like, I'll play five. Yeah. Okay. And if I play five and I'm still good and I still feel like playing, I'll sign another two year deal or a one year deal. But the, these eleven, twelve year deals to to I mean that's a long time to to be anywhere and and if you think about it Tom Brady's doing it he's signing two year deals like if you think about it like you like I can play for two more years like and if I if I get to the end of the contract and I still want to play I'll do it again if not I'll retire or I'll retire and then I'll unretire days later like like Tom did but like 11 years is a long time like Bogey's going to start spring training next year and he's gonna be like he like he's gonna be out there at shortstop some like at some point I guarantee and be like I got to do this for eleven more years. <laughs> yeah, this exact this exact I'm gonna get be in this exact same place eleven for eleven more years. And it's just and gonna get hard. It's just gonna get harder every year. Every year it's gonna yeah. get harder, man. Like and that's why like Tom Brady like he does it the right way. I think you know you sign the two year deal and um you play it out. If you want to keep going, you keep going. If you don't, you don't. But eleven years is a long time. Way too long. Like what? Yeah. How old am I? All right. So when I was twenty-two, like what was I doing when I was twenty-two? But I was not. I, life was a lot different back then. So I, I don't know that I would ever sign a deal for eleven years. Basically, basically, we're saying Bogarts made a huge mistake. <laughs> What's he doing? Oh, nice. Griff's, Griff's at counting to 100. Trying oh, hell to yeah. Sleep. <laughs> yep, there he is. You just had a birthday? Um, yeah, he just turned six. Oh, wow. Yep, six years old. 
Yeah. That's crazy. Six years old. Um, no, back, yeah, back to that. If I was 20, like if I'm 20 years old, like some of these guys are signing the, the long-term extensions when they're young, like, okay, like I could do that. I, I, I'll sign until I'm tw- 29, 30, and then I'll just sign another whatever four or five year deal. But if I'm 30 years old, I'm not signing for 11 years and play until I'm 41. Like give me six, I'll play till I'm 36 and then I'll see how I feel when I get there. But how do you, I'm, how do you I'm feel at 34? Bogey. Dude, I feel so bad. And <laughs> I thought he was about to say, dude, I feel so good. I've, no. I've had all this time to work out and get in shape now because I'm not traveling. There's no, no. baseball grind. <laughs> Was it good before no, the I training? Feel terrible, dude. I I see that's and I didn't like. I didn't even like. I didn't play that much either. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I can't even go out and run two miles without my left leg going numb and my like. Speaking of asses, my lightning bolt shooting de- up, up my ass cheek. And like, I have to stop, I have to stop running because I, and I'm, I'm 34 and I, I was a utility player that most of the time sat on the bench and cheered for my teammates. So bogey plays 160 games a year. Um, I mean, he's obviously built a little bit better than me and, you know. He has more muscles. I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. Like you know, we've we've seen Listen. we've seen the the shirtless workout videos that you put out post on Instagram. You're not you're not not in good shape. I'm gonna get. I'm getting there. I'm I'm gonna get there. The, the, I think the running and the and the 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 marathon training is gonna help me out. But Lakin just made a bunch of Christmas cookies, and I didn't eat anything. <laughs> I didn't eat anything today except Christmas cookies and chinese food tonight <laughs> so my diet my diet hasn't been great but my workout yeah. my workout ethic is is fantastic like i i'm i'm very good about getting my workouts done and doing a doing a doing a good job griff's yelling at me from upstairs um <laughs> but i i got i got a sweet tooth man you, you may not shit yourself during the marathon, but you may shit yourself during the podcast. <laughs> Chinese food and cookies. <laughs> the worst combination, Bob. The, the, yeah. The, the chances of <laughs> yeah. me doing that went up exponent, exponentially when I went for the general sales. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. So, yeah. C- coupled with the, um, paired with the, the peanut butter cookies with the Hershey Kiss in the middle. I probably had 17 of those things today. Those are solid. You know, yeah. I've been doing the um, like the the like the Christmas tree, like the um, shoot. They got like the it's like the little Debbie snack Christmas tree things with the frosting. Those things are unbelievable. Yeah, the little cake, little cake Christmas she, trees. Yeah, she also made these things as little pretzels with a Rolo on top, melted, and then normally she puts a pecan on top of the Rolo, but we didn't have any pecans, so she just put an M and M on there. And these things are literally like this big. I've probably eaten 48 of those things today. Every time I walk by, I grab like seven. And I eat them all so fast, I just go get seven more because like these things are so small. But Yeah, why not? But I ran four miles uh-huh. this morning. So woke up early, got it done. So if I, if I ran, if I attempted to run half a mile right now, I don't think I'd be able to make it. 
I was winded. Like my my sister's hosting Christmas Eve this year, so we had to bring a bunch of chairs and tables over to her house, and I was winded just like bringing them from the truck to her kitchen, which was like I don't know, twenty feet. Yeah, you would definitely shit yourself during the marathon. <laughs> your your kids are now kind of at an age, or well, Griff specifically being six now where he's gonna like remember what he wakes up to on christmas morning have you have you dove into this yet now like in terms of like i want to because i mean the the toys that you get your kid when they're like one through four it's like you can get them whatever like they're not going to remember or give a shit but now he's at an age where he's like this is this is going to be a core memory if i wake up to blank on christmas morning like what are we what are we looking at right now yeah, I mean, Lakin, she's the uh, she's the Christmas shopper. She does all that stuff. Um, but yeah, he's to the age where he kind of knows what he wants and he kind of gives us hints. But uh, we did go see Santa the other night and he Santa asked him what he wanted and he said he didn't know. So I told him, I was like, listen, you you got to get more a little bit more specific than that because Santa needs an idea about what to get you. <laughs> um, but Santa got him a, Santa got him a basketball hoop. Basketball hoop, basketball, and um, I think the basketball hoop's his big his big gift. So he's been asking for a, a basketball hoop. So we got him one for the got him one for the drive driveway so he can start practicing. Does that does that kill you inside that he he's leaning towards basketball? Listen, I I kind of hope he plays basketball because he's on a team right now, and it's the funnest thing to go watch six year olds play basketball. Like, like it's way more fun than watching them play baseball. Um, and I, you know, honestly, whatever he wants to do, great. Like, I I would love for him to play baseball, but I'm having a good time watching him play. Uh, watching him play basketball, it's it's a good time. Um, so we'll see. Well, he might not. He might not end up playing any. He might not end up playing anything. Ripken might might end up being the um, the athlete in the family. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So, how uh, <clears throat> how did you enjoy your dabbling in the 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 media world this past season? Um, i i didn't I didn't hate it, but I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if it's I don't know if it's for me. A little too formal, I feel like for me. Um, the mm-hmm. jack, the, the jacket and the, the lights and I don't know. I think I'm too, I'm I famously, I'm you've too, never worked under lights before. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's different. <laughs> it's a little different. Um, I feel like I'm maybe too, too close to the game still to be in there critiquing former teammates I'm, I'm and i've never been a person to like critique people and like i like i'm i wasn't that good so like i don't want to go in and talk about how someone should have done something different um because i that's one that's one of my biggest pet peeves is whenever you look on twitter or you look on and you you're and guys who weren't that good or are, are telling people how bad they are or, or how they how they messed up or how they didn't do something the right way so 
um, for me, that that was kind of an awkward feeling, and that's something that I'm probably never going to want to do. Um, I'm just going to want to tell people how good they are. So I don't know that 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 TV w- would would welcome that. Um, but a little too formal. Um, it was great. I love TC. I love sitting next to TC. TC is awesome. Um, and then Jim obviously is Jim. Jim can Jim can he can talk. He can say if someone did that, he's a Hall of Famer, right? So um, he can say whatever he wants. Same thing with De- with Eckersley. Like those guys, they've been out of the game for a while. They don't really know the, the guys on the field personally like I do, and they they were a lot better players than I was. So um, I'll I'll let them I'll let them do the critiquing, and I'll uh, I'll just try and be funny sometimes. I mean, if you just wait a year, then you won't have any former teammates left That's on the team. Oh, I, well, I mean, re- I mean, real, like, really. I mean, I, I went back, and there were, you know, four four guys that were that were playing. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, it, it's something that I I can probably just keep in the back pocket and maybe do here and there. But it wasn't something that I was like, wow, this is this is what this is it. This is what I was meant to do. You know. So, <laughs> yeah. Um and I feel like I, I feel like I'd like to be more involved in what's going on, you know, on the field and, you know, be around you know, be around the guys more, be around the team more, um give my input when when it's when it's asked for and um so we'll see. We'll see. I'm only 34. So, wait, so you're leaning more towards like wanting to get into like a coaching role at some point? Uh maybe that further down. That that would have to be further down the further down the road like right now man i'm i'm I, i'm trying to find something where i can ha- like the time the time is more important to me than than anything else like i need to make a few extra bucks here here and there doing something helping out but also get to be home with my kids and my wife um that's that's the main that's the main thing so um i don't know what that is but um i'll figure it out that's that's interesting that you like you're you're turned off by the TV thing because like the you know not being like the best player or whatever. But like I I've always thought that like the those your sort of guys like the middling sort of guys who kind of have to scrap to to put it together do make like the best analysts sometimes and the best coaches because you kind of have to 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 think a little bit more and get in a, get in the weeds a little bit more to find out what works and to like, to be more great, like, like an Alex Cora, like he wasn't the best player, but like was able to put it together, was very smart. And that translates into having a good coaching career and being a good analyst. Yeah. And I think Alex is, he's a lot smarter than I, than I am as far as baseball goes. Um, uh, you know, you hear stories about, you know, when he was playing, it's like, you're going to be, you're going to be a, you're going to be a good manager someday. This or that, like no one ever told me that, you know? So, um, but I, I love the game. I played every position there, there was on the field. Um, I listened, I was coachable. Um, I learned a lot from a lot of different people. Um, so I know what I'm talking about, but, uh, when it comes to like, you know, watching a, watching a game and, and critiquing somebody for, for, for messing up or, or doing that, like, it's just, I, I, I'm just not comfortable doing it just because I know how hard the game is. And, you know, sometimes when you're in that role, you gotta, you gotta kind of act like the game's easy and it really does look easy 
from from the booth or from from your couch. Like it, it looks like an easy game, but it's not. And so people are going to make mistakes, and I'm not one to call. I'm not one to call them out on it. So, um, but I I loved. You know, I was there for two days. I did I did two games, and I think it would have been a lot cooler had the 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 Red Sox been in town. Um, they were in Cincinnati, so we were at the studio. Um, so I think it would have been a, a little bit a little bit different if if they were home and I was able to be around and 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 you know kind of interact with some of the guys before the game and stuff. But um, they've reached out. Nesson's reached out, and um, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet, though. <clears throat> Brock, I mean, eventually, did, you feel, did you feel like there was a weird pressure from like the fans and everything for you to kind of get into that? Because I think Christian Arroyo gets a little bit of that now as well, where, you know, you're good on the like post game interviews and everyone kind of sees you as that fun and energetic guy. Did you feel like you kind of had to go down that road or at least give it a shot? No, I didn't really think so. I, I, I honestly thought that it was something that I would enjoy doing. Um, if, if we're being honest, I, I thought it was you know, something that I could kind of jump right into and, and be able to do. And I, and I feel like if I, if I wanted to do it and I did it, the like first night was, was pretty uncomfortable and I stuttered a few times and it's just weird, like having to, having to get your thoughts out in a select amount of time. And, uh, TC told me, he, he gave me great advice after he's like, Hey, the longer you do it, like if, if this is something you want to do, you'll be great at it. I know you will. It's just like the more you do it, the more you learn how to finish your thought. So I, my mind was just going, going, going. And I, I wanted, I knew what I wanted to say, but you can't just ramble on and ramble on. You only have a, you know, a certain amount of seconds where you need to, you need to get it out. So um, second night was a lot more comfortable, a lot. I felt a, a lot more, a um, lot more myself. Um, but again, just. What was different about that second night? It was, was anyone there that was like, <clears throat> made you feel more comfortable um no not really <laughs> pretty much the same as me tc and jim rice and they had i think they had a guy come on but i mean he just kind of like he was just kind of there so <laughs> this like kind of kind of took the spotlight away from us and all you me tc and jim were i, mean, I don't even think jim knew who you were to be honest he definitely didn't. Like, that's yeah. not even a chirp. He for real didn't know. Was that the yeah. night that he shit on you for not wearing a, a suit? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jared can wear whatever he wants because he's a guest. Yet I was, yes, I, I was a guest and they told me how to wear a, a jacket. Um, yeah, but, well, yeah, but Jim like shit on Jared on for not panel. wearing a, a jacket. Did, you, did Jim? Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I vividly remember uh, TC saying, all right, guys, we, we're doing these two segments. Uh, then Jared Carabas is coming on, and Jim Jim Rice was like, "Who the fuck is Jared Carabas? <laughs> 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 Who is he? And what is he? What is he coming on the show for?" TC was like, "Yeah, he's like a uh, he's like a podcaster. Does some stuff with Nesson, you know, Nesson Plus, and whatever." Jim was like, "All right, all right." <laughs> I like that they told you that you had to wear a jacket. They're like, you need you need to present yourself as belonging here. Listen, whereas Jared right. doesn't have to wear a fucking jacket. He can wear a if, button up. If I if, mm-hmm. if I did work for Nesson, that'd be one of the first things I said. I was like, listen, I'm not wearing a jacket every night. Like I'll wear I'll wear a nice polo, something comfy, and 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 we'll we'll 
we'll get the same stuff done. You know, give me a Ness, give me a Ness and Polo. <laughs> Spring training. Style. I mean, <clears throat> I, uh, I asked ahead of time. I was like, you know, well, what's the, what's the dress? And they're like, you can dress casual. Like they wanted me to, to dress that way. Like, oh, it's the, it's the, uh, the dude from 360. That's, that's the young hip channel. You're on just regular Nesson. So you're like the old guy. Yeah. Old guy. Old guy that, that, yeah, wear, make sure you wear your jacket and your slacks. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. What do you, like, what is it that you want to do then? If you don't want to, like, if you, if you don't want to critique players, but obviously you want to be around baseball, like, what is it that, that you want to do? Like, what, what, what's your five-year plan? Not your, not your, like, you know, when you're Dennis Eckersley and, you know, maybe you'll find your way back to the booth eventually, but like, what's your five-year plan? Uh, my five-year plan is to co-host a podcast with Jared Carabas. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, let's fucking so I, do it. Like, if all right, well, I put it this way: you're you're probably you're probably the most common man baseball player of this generation for sure. But then you know you have the guys that have made their money, and it's like, all right, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm not gonna like fully commit to it. Like, you'd be, I, would you be all in on something like that? Yeah, dude. I feel like I mean I don't know much about it, but I feel like I I'd be good at it. You know, like all we well, gotta do is get you so, a, a so better it, mic, and you're already better than Pat. Well, we can kick Pat. That's true. Yeah. No, we'll fire Pat. Pat's fired. Well, I, I think you've already. I think you've told me that once, Jared. It's like whenever you're ready, I'm I'll fi- I'm firing Pat ASAP. Correct. Correct. I'll tell you, I would never be yeah. late. I would never be late for a pa- podcast. Ever. Oh, he's not late. He's just not coming. I will say, did he we even get a text about this episode? Did did he even say a word to anyone about he said whether that he, he was coming? He said he wasn't coming. I um, I yeah, I don't have a mat. I don't have a uh, a mic, Pete. I'm just I'm just going straight cell phone. Um, I had to download 17 apps to just to get on this <laughs> this this podcast. I had to download Google, yeah. Google Chrome. Jared said you got to have Chrome to 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 click on the link. I was like, all right, I'll download mm-hmm. Chrome. And then I clicked on the link and it said, oh, by the way, download this app because you have to have this. And I don't know what it was. So I don't know either. I, so from what I can gather, you want A, to get in shape. Two, want to make a little extra money. But three, still have Bingo. a bunch of time and kind of work on your own schedule. Bingo, I, play, play golf. Have you considered OnlyFans? Yeah, uh, I I haven't. That's pro. I probably have to run that by Lakin. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, I don't think that, could, that could check all three boxes. That could. Yeah, that really could. <laughs> I would definitely have to get in shape though. <laughs> for that. <laughs> for, I definitely have to get in shape for that. Yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, <clears throat> one meeting is all it would take. Go to DraftKings, be like, hey, I got this friend and he's unemployed and he's kind of getting out of shape because of how, you know, he's, he's a little sad because he doesn't have a job and I, I want to do him a solid. Like, would you, would you guys bring him on? And Violently like, unemployed. Could you, could you, yeah. would you call the people from OnlyFans only for me? 
Oh yeah, call OnlyFans is no problem. I think like if if you if you join the podcast, no, I think we, is that what the we, is that we, what the meeting is about with DraftKings? Like, no, hey, Dra- <laughs> DraftKings. Hey, DraftKings people, this guy I got this buddy. He really needs he really needs a job. Can you can you talk to OnlyFans for? for him? <laughs> can you talk to OnlyFans? We I mean we yeah. could probably just start a, a podcast OnlyFans account. That would be great. And we just do the podcast naked. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. We, oh, yeah, we look. just like how uh like how how um like waiters and waitresses will split their tips at the end of the night. We can just we can just split the OnlyFans money. Our butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought you were gonna say like you know See, how like Hooters waitresses do like the, the calendar at the end of the year. They do like the Hooters. Oh, we can calendar. do that too. We could do like yeah. a, a podcast calendar. Uh, that's a great idea. Put Jake, write that down. Jake, write that down. All right. So, so far, we're going to be hiring Brock Holt to, after we fire Pat, uh, we will be opening up a we name redacted OnlyFans we, account. We, we haven't already fired Pat. I feel like Pat has fired himself, feel, but we, we have like, to make feel, it official. Yeah, I, feel I feel like, like we like, can keep Pat on and make him like the OnlyFans manager. Because I feel like Ooh. he's like pretty familiar with OnlyFans. He's probably got a lay of the land. Well, Pat. Oh, yeah. Here's, here's another question that kind of ties into what I'm about to say. Pat and I, the light group, are we're thinking about buying a bar in the Fenway area. And if we did that, we could also do live shows at the bar in the Fenway area that we purchased. Which brings me to my next question for Brock. You just kind of settled down in Tennessee. But how do uh, we? Yeah. I mean, uh, Southwest. Southwest the the airline. Yeah, they fly to Boston. I, I think directly. I'm sure if they don't, someone does. Straight someone from, does. I, straight straight from Nashville. Straight from Nashville okay. to to Logan. How long is that flight? Yeah, it's a, I mean, I think it's probably a couple hours, two and a half hours. Oh, that's, that's not bad. No, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah, we're Your not leaving. Is... We're not leaving Nashville. This is great. This place is great. Give me a tour of that room that you're in. Yeah, there you go. Look, tour. Look at that. Look at the Longhorns. Yeah, that's pretty Welcome. sweet. Got those from Poppy. Cool. Grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa. Yeah, I got those from Pop. Not David. Not David Ortiz. Poppy. My Poppy. Oh, okay. Grandpa Poppy. Got it. I got some cool That's stuff. That's pretty man. sweet. Yeah. I got, some, I got some cool stuff. I got I got Brian Butterfield though hung in the in the prime prime position. So every time I every time I watch TV, <laughs> I just I look at Brian Butterfield's jersey. Yeah, shout out to Maine. It says Brock, you are a great player because the little things are big to you. Big in all caps. Thank you for your cha- championship in all caps, Cali- caliber, toughness, intelligence, unselfishness, and preparation. Butter. It's a nice note. He's my favorite. Yeah, they kind of got me fired up. He's my favorite of all time, man. Yeah. He, where is he now? Dodgers? He's in, he's in Maine. No, he's in Maine. Living the dream. Is he not coaching with the team right now? No. No, he's watching Tom Brady in Michigan. He's probably fired <laughs> up. He's probably fired up about Michigan. I text him every every weekend when Michigan's playing, and he doesn't text me back until the next day. So, 
at like four in the morning, I wake up to a text message from Butter. Why, That's how you know somebody's living a good life. They check their phone once a day, and it's like four in the morning, and they just get all their stuff out. That yeah, like first thing, and then they leave it for the rest re- of the day. Reply to everyone who, who sends him a message, and then and then he's done until four o'clock the next morning. <laughs> I need to adapt to that. I I actually I I will say this. This year, in the year of 2022, my text message response rate has gone from like 98% to about 5%. Like, I just don't, I just don't answer text messages anymore. Yeah, there's, there's times when I'm the same way. Um, It's just like, you get it, you read it, and then you, you go on with your life and you just forget, you know? Not even that. I think for me, like, I just, you know how, you know how, uh, when elderly folks get to a certain age and they just go straight into like fuck it mode where it's like, I, I don't need to stop at this red light. <laughs> like I, uh, this stop sign does not apply to me because I'm old. Like that's kind of how I'm living right now where it's like, I could respond to this just to like oblige, but like, I just, I, I, my brain goes into, I'm just going to do what I want to do here. And what I want to do is not have a conversation right now. So I just don't. Just don't. And that's perfectly okay. Yeah. I usually answer you. No, you do. You're good about answering me. Yeah. Everyone on here, I don't think... I can't think of a single time that someone on here texted me and I didn't get back to them. I may not... I think Tyler texted me and I didn't answer that one. But it was because I... It was one of those where I, uh, I texted Tyler... And then Tyler forgot to answer me. So when he responded, I was like, just to prove a point, I'm now I'm no. not going to answer you. Listen, I don't. That's answer exactly anybody. what happened. I, I don't I don't actually believe that. I'm pretty sure you did not answer me yesterday. I wasn't going to call you out, but you it's called me true. out first. So it's here we true. are. It's not true. Yeah, that's what uh, I just don't said. Pull, you don't need to pull up the text messages. I'm, no, I'm no. pulling it up right now. Pulling it up right now. Please don't. Pulling it up right now. No, I texted no, you. No, I texted you at 527 p.m. And then you text me back at 12.34 a.m. and said, totally missed this. No, that's yada, the eight-hour rule, yada. though. That's the eight-hour rule. No, I didn't respond to it. I didn't respond to it. I left you on red to, <laughs> to prove a point and to teach you a lesson. Just big-time me. Just big-time me real quick. You big-time me first. I responded to your first text pretty quickly, if I recall. Okay. Yeah, Thank Mitch you. Moreland. Okay. Mitch Moreland is my favorite. Mitch Moreland is my favorite person to text because he'll respond to my text message and he'll answer the question that I ask him like two and a half weeks later. <laughs> and I, and by that time, I had forgot I had even texted him. And I'm like, dude, I texted you like two weeks ago, and, he's a, and his response is always this. His response is always the same. I got kids and shit. <laughs> <laughs> so that i use that one a lot like if i someone's like dude wh- where have you been I, I got kids and shit man like but yeah mitch moreland he's good because he, like i'll text him and it'll be literally two weeks before he takes me back and he'll answer he'll answer me and i'll be like mitch i dude i forgot i even texted you and he's like i got kids and shit man is it just the answer <laughs> to the text from two weeks ago or is it like yeah, is he I starting think, yeah. a new because I no, do that I, a lot where like I go to text somebody and I'm like, oh, fuck, I did not answer this question that from like two weeks ago. And then like I 
I have to answer it sort of out of obligation, and then I start the new conversation. No, I think he just straight up answers the. He just replies to <laughs> that the message. Send him, dude. He's he's the best. <laughs> he's the best. Be he literally only bringing attention to himself that he did not answer oh, the question from two yeah, weeks he, ago. Yeah, he doesn't care. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, he. Yeah, he's the best. We we he, just we just uh. Me, me, him, me, him, and Benny are in a little group text message, and we'll just throw throw a message in there every like two or, two or so weeks. And you know, Benny just agreed to terms to play for the White Sox, and uh, we would always go to go to breakfast together. And Mitch would always buy. And uh, I sent a text message in the group the other day. It said Benny's buying now, you know, because he's he's doing well for himself. So yeah, and, yes. and, and Mitch just. Mitch just responded, "Haha, yeah, he is." <laughs> <laughs> and then that was the that was the conversation. Benny should have responded, that "Bro, I already spent all that money in the time that it took you to respond to this text message." Oh, he he actually he actually responded pretty quick on that one. Yeah, Benny yeah, Benny's favorite emoji when he texts is this one. We can't see. He like finishes here, every. You guys have bum ass internet or something. He's I can back. see him again. Me? Yeah, really? He's back. He I was, don't see he, him. Was, he, he was blank for a while. Yeah, I have the bum. Oh, no, Me? Yeah. Yeah, you were blank for a while. Black screen. Oh, that's weird. I don't know what that's all about. Uh, can you see me now? Yeah, I got you now. Th- this the is this is Benny's house. favorite emoji. This guy. <laughs> he loves that one. I just Benny, don't. Benny it's not my lexicon. Ben, Benny literally lives 15 minutes from me, and I'd never see him. Does he I'm really? Thinking, Benny, you want to come to dinner? Yeah, dude. He lives here in Nashville. I mean, he well, he's got a place here, but he's never here. He's always back home in Cincinnati, or on. He's been on like seven vacations already this off season. Um, <laughs> I was like ben, Benny. I said Benny, dude, you want to come? You want to come eat? You want to come over for dinner? Hang out? He's like, man, it's just so far over there. It literally takes fifteen minutes. And <laughs> the 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 first week I was here, the first week we moved here, I'm driving down uh down the main road to to turn off into to where we live, turn off into our neighborhood, and I pull up at this red light, and two two cars ahead of me, big Ford truck. I'm like, I think I'm pretty sure that's Benny. So I speed up and I get past, like I get up to him. Sure enough, it's Benny. This dude's going to play golf at the golf course, literally right across the street from where I live. And he, his excuse for whenever I asked him to come to dinner is that it's, dude, it's too, it just takes so long to get over there. So he can come play golf over here, but I ask him to come hang out. It's too far. So a lot do you of think, two years, do you think two maybe it's you? Two off seasons. It might be. It might be. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> It might be. Yeah, like is there like I mean it sounds like feel, I feel like we should get to the taking a backseat to golf. He likes golf better than you. Which I'm fine with. I'm fine with. But but he but, but the problem is he always tells me, Yeah, 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 I'm I'm gonna come over. I'm gonna come over. And then been here two off seasons. He has not been over one time. That's brutal. He's like that sometimes though. He's very low key, which is exactly why. I wasn't surprised that the Yankees pursued him and he was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like, not like uh, 
uh, he just, I thought he was honestly going to end up with the Reds. Like, I thought I was going to get like some breaking news. Andrew Benatendi signs like a three year deal with the Cincinnati Reds to just go home. Uh, but that was just <clears throat> knowing his personality did not seem like an experience that he would have enjoyed. Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think he liked it there. I, I I think he liked it there. I, like, but yeah, he is. He's more low. He's more low key. He's he just likes let me let me go to the field, play play the game, just go home. You know. Um. All right, I'm gonna have to take a little break here. Griff is. Uh, I don't know what he's. I don't know what he's you, doing. You, he's been he's been having nightmares, man. So like he'll wake up and he'll be like standing on his bed, like jumping around. So I, I might that freak me. You go be dad. I, I might have we to go we get some Raphael Devers takes to get out. Yeah, get, talk about Devers. Devers, love you, dude. Sign back to the, uh, the Red Sox, please. I mean, I guess it's not really yeah. his decision, but That's please, not. please, Rafi, we love you. We want you. We want you here. We, we, we need you here. Yes. All right. All right. Tell DraftKings right, to call only. Fa- tell DraftKings call only fans. <laughs> We'll get some. We'll get some locked in. All right, we'll we'll have a conference call tomorrow. All right, all right. Later, guys. Merry Christmas. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. Okay. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Um, feels like a good time to talk about Blue Moon because Blue Moon is uh actually that episode uh we're talking about nessa nessa 360 head on over the new episode me mike timlin went to the blue moon brewery in denver colorado baseball season's over but you can still feel that ballpark nostalgia with blue moon in fact blue moon was born in a ballpark at the sandlot brewery in denver colorado which is where i went with mike timlin uh new episode uh released today came out today on nessa 360 like a pro horrendous takes horrendous takes by who? Sorry. Did you even watch this, it? I, yeah, you I didn't watched fucking watch it. a portion of it. I watched watch a portion it. of no, it. You didn't. I watched a portion no, of it as we no, talked about. And uh, I don't think you I'm did. just putting it out there. There's some bad takes on there by Jared and Mike. You're Dylan, a bad so take. It is what You're it is. You're a bad take. You're a bad take. Blue Moon's one of a kind experience isn't just for baseball season. It's also perfect for the holiday season. It's bold flavor, bright explosion of color, iconic orange slice ritual, and authentic ballpark roots will make your holidays unique and flavorful. Pete, did you already get your Blue Moon for the holidays? I have not yet, but we've got a couple days. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross it off the list. Okay. What are you, uh, are you hosting? Are you going somewhere? What are, what are you doing? Uh, I'm doing a little bit of both. Doing a little bit of mm. both, so okay. it's nice to mix it up. I okay. like doing uh, I like not having to go anywhere Christmas morning. I like to get a little comfortable. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I mean, I've been... I bought a house, so I'm like... I'm in three different places at the same time. Sometimes four. I'm at the Fenway apartment. Then I go to the house. Then I go to my parents. Then I go to my sisters. Then I go to my parents. Then I go to the house. Then I go back to Fenway. It's... It's a lot of stress, but it's keeping me from uh, wanting to die this off season. I've been, <laughs> I've been, uh, been keeping busy, which is, I guess, that's the key. That's the key to to fighting through seasonal depression. Listen, also, gonna... go ahead. No, you you go ahead. No, you you you're on a mission right now. So, <laughs> uh, also, uh, Blue Moon. 
is a great way to keep the vibes up during the off season and the holiday season. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale is a one of a kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something that's one of a kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all holiday season long. Enter for a chance to win an exclusive blue moon paper shoot camera to immortalize those unforgettable holiday moments. Make your holidays brighter than ever with blue moon. Get blue moon delivered and enter to win an exclusive paper shoot camera at get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. No purchase necessary. Open to legal residents of 50 USDC 21 plus only. Begins 11 one 22 ends 12 31 22. Uh, includes four entry periods for rules. Visit bluemoonholiday.com. Void where prohibited. Message and data rates may apply. Uh, okay. So... <clears throat> Couple couple news and notes items here. I know it's the Christmas episode, but there are a couple of news and notes items to get to this this evening. The Red Sox signed Justin Turner and JD Martinez. I can't that feels like fucking forever ago. When did he sign like the day the the night that we did last recorded an episode? That feels like a fucking month ago at this point. Not even because you got to think the Eric Hosmer DFA happened the day after. I think it was what Sunday night. We talked what? about JD, didn't we? No, we didn't talk about JD on the last show. We didn't. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. JD Martinez. Five days ago. All right. I'm and Turner was the 18th. Yeah, today's the 22nd. I mean, that does feel like forever ago. You're not wrong. Forever. When did you, what was, was the like, date that JD signed? Like, last Saturday? Five yeah. days ago. It was the day before Turner. Okay, yeah. 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 Because we had the whole yeah. Heyman tweet. Remember, everyone's clowning on him. The Red Sox are interested in JD Martinez, and then he signs with the Dodgers like three hours later. Yeah. I was uh I was out to dinner with my parents and I saw JD to the Dodgers. And I don't know how much how much I should say. Or and I'm doing that thing again where everyone everyone's gonna get mad and be like, oh you know things you're not gonna tell us. I'll say some stuff. Uh the Red Sox didn't make JD an offer. They didn't make him one. Um which I mean I I guess if you go through the timeline of events would I guess lead you to believe that they wanted Turner all along without that information you would probably think maybe because John Heyman which I called bullshit immediately on that tweet. oh the Red Sox have interest in JD Martinez they weren't even speaking to him they weren't even speaking to him and this was a scoop shop exclusive <laughs> by the way yeah yeah this is a scoop I, shop exclusive I, I, I can confirm now that I'm in the scoop shop yeah, uh, Jake also in the scoop shop. We need some. We need to get some scoop shop merch. People probably won't buy it though, because it'd be like fuck them. <laughs> That's just like, like imagine, <laughs> imagine wearing 
the t-shirt of an exclusive club that you're not in. I don't think anyone would buy that. I would I would fucking buy it though. I don't know. People so, might buy that. It it like is it is a funny idea to like deny somebody from the club but sell the club merchandise outside of the doors. It's I like guess. The bouncer's like, yeah. the bouncer's like, no, you can't come in, but you can have you can buy a t-shirt for like 30 bucks if you want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the Red Sox never made JD an offer. Um which is surprising that that they didn't even at least attempt. It didn't even like respond. So well, okay, did it, yeah, Alex they Cor- didn't even respond. Alice Core kind of told ahead. us that at the end of the year, did he not? Like, I think what? that's what I was a little when people were kind of like confused with everything. Like, Core made a point to say, "Listen, it was you know not great that we couldn't do anything with who played DH this year. He couldn't play the field at all. We need somebody who can be a little more versatile." Now, obviously, Justin Turner's thirty-eight years old, right? But he played sixty-six games at third base. He can play first base. I think the Red Sox, for the most part. We're just done with someone who could not kind of give other guys a breather and rotate. And let's be let's be real. The last time JD took the field, he busted his ankle over second base down in Washington, right? And that was 2021. Never took the field once this year. Like I don't have a problem with with the move. I guess like you know the the decision. I think it's like the just, just let him know. <laughs> Just be in contact with the guy. That's that's what kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, J.D. Martinez will go down as one of the best free agent signings in Red Sox history. Five years for $110 million and he was worth every penny. Like, yeah, 2020 sucked, but who cares? Like, it's not like... It's not like the Red Sox were cooking and they really needed JD to get over the like that team fucking sucked. They weren't even a real baseball team. Uh, so I don't care that he sucked in 2020 for every full season that he played in Boston. He was outstanding. So, you know, you look at the um, the weighted runs created plus for Turner and JD and it's a wash like Justin Turner. It, it, unless you're one of these tinfoil hat motherfuckers that think that Turner's here to play third base because the plan is to trade Raphael Devers, uh, which could still ultimately happen. Like They could still end up trading Devers at the trade deadline because they they can not or refuse to get a contract extension done before spring training, and that, that's a completely different conversation that we'll get to. Um, but Devers has told the Red Sox, like, I'm not negotiating in season, and, they, and the reports were that he fully expects to become a free agent. Uh, I don't think that Turner is here to play third base in the absence of Devers. I think he's here to DH, but he can also play some first. He can play some third. He can give uh, Rafi a day off so that he can DH. Like I, I, the tweet that I had essentially was this: like the Red Sox going with Turner over JD tells you how much they value Turner's ability to play defense. Because offensively, uh, the players are awash. Or they were statistically last year. And I had that debate on Twitter. Oh, look at Justin Turner's second half. It's like, yeah, no, no, no. Like his second half was fucking awesome. So was JD's first half. So you can't just like cherry pick Justin Turner's second half and put that up against JD's full season. 
because I can just take JD's first half and put it up against Justin Turner's first half. It, you can play that game all you want. The two players were a wash. Justin Turner is three years older than JD Martinez. This is not me saying, oh, the Red Sox fucked up. You should have just brought back JD. Like, what are you doing signing Turner? Like, it for me, it's whatever. Like, it, I think, are we a JD Martinez returning away from having a winning ball club right now? No. Uh, and I do see the thought process here with if if offensively they're washed, then wouldn't you take the guy that can play defense? Yeah. Okay. For like fine. That like I, I can you can make that case to me, and I can say that makes sense because a lot of the things the Red Sox have done this offseason haven't made sense to me. That makes sense. I I like JD, but this makes sense. If that's it, it, and that's the whole point about even going back to Bogarts, right? <clears throat> if you had just done what you said, the fan reaction is much different, much, much different. You can't go out there and tell us that Xander Bogarts is your top priority and then not get that done and then pivot to now Rafael Devers signing him to an extension is our top priority. And by all accounts, it sounds like that's not going to get done either. Stop making things your top priority or telling us that it's your top priority because just saying that it's your top priority is not good enough for us. Honestly, just saying it seems at this that point, you're trying. At this point, enough. it seems like the top priority is the kiss of death from the Red Sox. It, and what's yeah. even crazier is that Heim said two weeks ago, talking to Bradford, he's like, I, you know, one of the things I don't want to do again is use some of the speech I use surrounding Xander. And I think it made this whole process, you know, being the top priority even worse than it was. And then you double down on it. It's like, are you learning from what's going on here? Are you kind of paying attention and seeing like, all right, you guys are horrendous at PR. Why are we keeping the same strategy? You're you're doing the same dumb shit over and over again and setting up fans to just get angrier and angrier and angrier. I guess like from from a logic standpoint, like the the letting JD go falls pretty far down the list of like things that people should be upset about. Like it, every, people like JD's good dude. But I think if you're going to ask people like who's the most unlikely to return from the group of like expiring contracts, JD was one, number one or if not very close to being number one. A lot of people like. I think the reason why it seems so far away is because everybody, at least in my mind, like is resigned that he was going to leave. Um, so it's 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 hard to be upset about that one. I guess like just from a bigger picture, it seems like there's not they're not really like respecting and valuing the guys that have been here and are here and putting in a lot of effort to m- maintain those relationships or treat their players with respect. And that bothers me. And Pete, like that goes with the Christian Vasquez thing we saw a couple weeks ago where he even after everything, he tried to go back to the Red Sox for another offer. And they kind of just were like, no, thank you. You know what I mean? And he mentions it and kind of brings it up when going to the twins. Okay, you see that whether they just don't want some of these older guys around, whether they feel like the clubhouse needs to get shaken up one way or another. And I think there is some validity to that based on how things played out at the end of last year. But yeah, some of these guys not returning. It's that continued not appreciating when players perform in this market. You know, this is not, you know, not everybody can show up here and do it. These are guys who've shown up in one rings here and, you know, Ben Keek locker room guys, clubhouse guys that 
you see why Xander Bogarts and other guys were so upset about the trade deadline. It honestly like seems like a kind of situation where like, and like, I don't want to, I don't like say that this happened or anything, but like, it seems like one of the situations where like something happened and they're like, all right, we need to get everybody the fuck out of here. We need to like clean the slate and, and start new because that's how, that's like how much they're, they're just like trying to get everybody out the fucking door. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. I think it goes back to last 2021 at the deadline when it first started to get out that some of the players on the team did not like how the front office was going about things. And then I think it went away because they went on a playoff run and Schwarber was amazing and nobody could really say anything. Then there was the disappointment to some degree with the offseason, Bogarts all year long, and then the trade deadline again. And then I think Pawecki was kind of the last straw where it, it kind of got mm-hmm. blown out of water where, you know, you got Evaldi on record basically saying like, what the hell were you doing with Schwarber? What were you doing with Renfro? They basically said what the fans said all year long. And I think that's why at this point they're like, hey, we'll go get a Justin Turner who, like you said, Jared, basically a wash offensively compared to JD. Well, he's a great clubhouse guy. We're going to bring other veterans, you know, Kenley, Chris Martin, these different pieces and kind of revamp what the culture is here a little bit. Not exactly like, you know, 2012 into 2013 but to some degree of bringing other veterans in and shaking it up a bit. It yeah. seems like a change of the and, culture when the culture wasn't <laughs> bad. <laughs> like, yeah, the culture when, was great. I mean, but yeah. they, but they, they weren't real winning. Points. They weren't winning. Yeah. Like it, it, but the culture was great. The culture's in, fault? in 2022 before, before the trade deadline, the culture was great. However, there was that looming thing over Xander Bogarts. If 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 the Reds and this may sound crazy, this may sound crazy. If the Red Sox extended Xander Bogarts in spring training, I think the entire season goes differently because he was essentially, and I said this before, he was walking around like Eeyore a lot of the time. Because if you're constantly being asked, like put yourself in Xander Bogarts' position, right, for the first half of that season, uh, hey Xander, you, you're going to sign back? You're going to stay? You're going to stay? Are they going to pay you? Like when people put it to you like it's on you, like it's your fault and you're taking the high road. You're not going out there and saying, well, they won't fucking pay me what I'm worth. Like you're not going to scream that from the top of your lungs. But when you keep having that put in your face, like that put a dark cloud over the season, which is why when we talk about uh, all the additions that the Red Sox have made this, this off season, it's just going to happen again with Devers if they don't pay Devers. Like you can, you can have, we, we just saw it last year. You can have a great clubhouse environment. You can have a group of guys that all love each other and gel. And this is a great place to be. And the fans are showing up and we've got talent and still have a losing ball club. So like players talk, like players talk. And now we're going to get to a point where they, like you, you have the Bluminati people. We're all familiar with them on Twitter. And some people listen to this podcast. Like I saw some of that, like on the on the Reddit. People are like what? Like I get so lost when they talk about things from Twitter, and I'm not on Twitter. How do people find this fucking show if you don't? <laughs> if you're not on Twitter, where would you have found me if if you are not a Twitter person? So I'll try and I'll keep that in mind in the future when we talk about things that happen on Twitter. But the Bluminati, these are people and. Tyler, I feel like you can disassociate at this point. Like, if they want to call you Bluminati oh. at the sports hub, you're not. They like, when I me. think of Bluminati, I don't think of people like you. 
No. And like, that's the thing. The people of sports hub, it's the one angle. It's just, you know, the nerd, whatever it may be. Um, but the Bluminati kicked me out a long time ago. I, I got kicked out before okay, this past season started. Um, yeah. But the, it, the it, Bluminati it, people, these are people on Red Sox Twitter that the Red Sox could literally sign a dead corpse and they would be like, Heim's a fucking genius, bro. Let Heim cook. All you doubters, all you negative people out there, th- th- those are the Bluminati. And I, for the last time, I will. I cannot engage the Bluminati anymore because they just can't be reasoned with. Even like when, when you have a conversation with one of these individuals, you will just be absolutely smoking them in the exchange, going back and forth, making point after point, just hammering them with these points, and they won't even address them, and they won't even acknowledge. Like they think that they won the the exchange. That's how delusional these people are. So for me. I think they're like I, I've acknowledged I've I've come to the conclusion with myself that yes, losing Xander Bogarts definitely put me in a negative headspace looking at this team. I can, however, acknowledge that the Red Sox did things to, I don't want to say have a better team, but to get better. Does that make sense? Like I, at yeah. this point, they're not a better team than they were last year, but they did do things to make the team better. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, yeah it's not, it's all, it's not all negatives, but it's a net negative. It, that's yeah, the like best they're, way to they're, put like it. If they entered, if the, where they finished last season, they are not above that threshold right now. They've done things like they they could have they could have been a lot lower had they not made some moves. Right. So it's like but one they step did make forward, moves. two steps backwards. Yeah, like I don't think that they're above the threshold that they were when the season ended, which was not a good team. Yeah. But they could be worse if they didn't make some of the moves that they made. So uh, Dan O'Mara, he uh, I've known him forever. He used to write for. Uh, sock space that Pete helped build mm-hmm. um, back legend. in the day. I remember him. Yes. And then eventually he came on as um, uh, an intern for starting nine when I was in New York City. So he tweeted today. <clears throat> Bogart's leaving is a black cloud that's hung over an otherwise very productive offseason. The media narrative that the Red Sox have been beaten down this winter is so detached from reality. Agree or disagree? I I disagree, but I, I understand what he's saying, right? Like, if, like you said earlier, Jared, if you had taken care of Xander Bogarts and you did all this stuff, I think we'd be feeling pretty good. We wouldn't be all the way there, but we'd be like, all right, this team... They cleaned up their bullpen. The rotation should have some better luck and better depth this year. They probably still need to make one more nice trade we'd like to see, um, you know, whether that's an impact piece in the rotation or the outfield. But yeah, I, I think we'd all say they're on the right track. But when you lose out on your top priority, really the leader in the clubhouse and one of your main foundation pieces, it's great that you do the little things to pick up yeah. other parts of the roster. You look at the middle of your lineup. Just look at the fucking lineup. It's not that hard. And you can say, all right, you're not as good as you were a year ago there. It's very fucking simple. Like the, the, the losing Xander portion very much makes it seem like they don't have their ducks in a row and it doesn't bode well for the future, especially when the best player on your team now 
has a contract that's expiring after the end of this year. And there's very little confidence that they're going to keep him. So like if you do the, the little things well, sweet, nice. But that's not that's not what's going to like really win you games if you're fucking up the big things like you need both things to come together. So like the narrative is not being shaped or, or like twisted because they screwed up one little thing. They screwed up the biggest thing that was on their agenda this offseason. And it looks like they're going to screw up the second biggest thing that was on their agenda this offseason. Because if you're not going to sign Xander, you have to resign Devers. And it looks like they're going to do neither. So congratulations on the very small victories, but it's not going to fucking matter. No. And if you had made these moves to the bullpen a year ago, like we all talked about and we knew going into that season they had problems with, guess how different that goes? You are treating this offseason to some degree, and I I like a majority of the moves they've made, but they're they're moves that kind of you add to the end of a ball club to make you go from, all right, yeah, that's a team that could get into the postseason to a team that can go farther, you know, than the first round. No one cares when you're signing you know, Kenley Jansen and Chris Martin, these older relievers. And it's like, all right, maybe if everything goes right, they get in the playoffs. Maybe they get the last wild card. If everything goes right, plus they still need to make moves this offseason. And, and that's where you get in the runaround. And June Lee, like all these people in the Bluminati that wanted to go this route and say, you know what? Like, I'm happy the Red Sox didn't, you know, get Bogarts. Like, you know, it really wasn't make or break one way or the other. June Lee told you in his recent report, The Red Sox plan A, they were serious about getting Xander here and they truthfully thought he was coming back. So all those people that wanted to laugh at you, Jared, and say, you know, what you were saying that day wasn't true. They all thought it was getting done. Yes, the Red Sox were at 6160. The Red Sox thought, hey, and they were prepared to make another offer. Alex Spears confirmed that they were going to add another year to that. And it would have got right close to 200. And they believed, hey, we're all going to be in the same range. We're going to push over. That's why we think we're getting it done. The one thing we warned them about during the season was that it took one crazy person and we named him. It was yeah. Dombrowski or Preller. A mad Preller, Yeah, Preller went fucking nuts. No one thinks the Red Sox should have given him that contract, but that's no. what happened. And the Red Sox, all these other moves, yeah, it made a lot more sense if Xander Bogarts was there and they would have pushed over the luxury tax and they would have tried to push and you know be one of those top contenders. Now, the whole plan has had to change on the fly. And that's why you see certain moves that aren't making sense because, you know, they were going one way and now they're kind of standing pat and going another way. And it's like, all right, you went from, all right, we're going to push two years in over the luxury tax to let's reset most likely this year and treat it like 2021, treat it like 2013 and just kind of spread the money about. And that's where the strategy. And I don't know how many times you can like keep hammering this point home. And it's like, yeah, you you got beat by a crazy person, but you opened the door for the crazy person to come in. And number one, the, the, yeah. big, the big thing here is that it'd be one thing if you were like the Baltimore Orioles and you got beat by a crazy person. You're the Boston Red Sox. You have the fucking money. You have a ton of money. You are not spending it. The numbers that just came out, the graphic that just came out over the last three years, the Red Sox are not top 10 in spending money in the last three offseasons. You're getting beat by the Minnesota Twins. The Minnesota fucking Twins are beating you in spending money over the last three offseasons. What the fuck are you doing? How is anybody making excuses for this team and the way that it's being run? This team is printing money year after year, and you're not in the top 10 in money spent over the last three years, and you're losing some of the best players in baseball because of it. What the fuck are you making excuses for? Why are you falling on the sword for billionaires that are not spending money on the product? 
These are the people I'm just that gonna are say uh, it. talking about the the people the, the people that are doing this. They are 21 years of age or younger. Like I have not seen an older experienced baseball fan that has been taking up for ownership and like the direction that the team is going right now. It's all fans that like just don't get the economics of baseball, which is fine. Like I'm not like going to be ageist against like young baseball fans, but they have sort of made this little corner of Red Sox Twitter and they just don't get how how it works. And I think now uh, since most of this has happened, now you see what Steve Cohen has done with the Mets. And I'm not saying that this is the way. I'm not saying that having a $500 million payroll is the way to go. However, it does make what's happened to this organization look very bad in hindsight when the whole reason why Mookie Betts is, is a Dodger is because you didn't want to pay luxury tax penalties. And Steve Cohen is like, luxury tax penalties? Like, who gives a fuck? And he's paying $111 million in penalties. His payroll is $385 million, and the penalties are $111 million. So he's, he's going to come in right around $500 million committed just to his 2023 payroll. And again, I'm not saying that's the way to go. You can't just buy your way to a championship. It doesn't always work that way. But when the luxury tax penalties are the only thing standing in the way of you keeping not just your franchise player, but arguably the most talented player that you've ever had in the history of your franchise. And that's, we're talking over a hundred goddamn years. And the reason why he's no longer on this team is because of luxury tax penalties. And you're a billion, a multi, multi billionaire. That's when you fucking bite the bullet, you pay them just to keep them in place, and then you figure out the penalties later down the line. Like, like that's it's inexcusable. And for the younger, it's inexcusable the younger what fans, has happened to this fucking organization. Yeah, yeah. And for the younger fans that are like somehow trapped in this mindset that the Red Sox need to navigate like a middle middle class organization, you're an idiot. And I hope that you look at what Steve Cohen's doing and say. Oh, you can operate like that. Yes, you can. Uh, And the Red Sox were like uh, not too long ago. They were operating like a top tier, flexing on everybody, spending a ton of money, getting the best players. And that's how it should work. And you know why Steve Cohen's doing it is because the Mets are his shiny new toy and he cares about them and he wants to win. That was the Red Sox ownership. That was the Red Sox ownership that even though they weren't Red Sox fans, when the Red Sox were their shiny new toy and they wanted to win, they were spending a ton of money. Guess what? They're not doing that anymore because the Red Sox are not their shiny new toy. They don't care. And you are still eating up their bullshit, even though they are not. They don't care about this team. You defending them is allowing them and enabling them to continue doing this. And it's going to continue that way. The only way they're going to spend money is if you raise a stink. And or if they become some or somehow they they sell the team and it becomes somebody else's shiny new toy. I don't even feel good about the applause. I'm mad. Welcome back, Pete. It's good to have Pete back. It's good to have Pete back. Thank you, Pete. Uh, I agree. 
I agree. And I feel like I, I have been a defender of this ownership group for a long time, like all along. Cause I know when I was at Barstool, Dave used to come at Lucchino and Henry all the time. Uh, then once the sports hub became a thing, Felger would come at John Henry all the time. And I'm sitting here as a Red Sox fan being like, what are you guys talking about? Like they've won four fucking championships when we thought we would never see one. They have won four. What the fuck are you guys talking about? And then 2019, everything changed. It was like Dave Dombrowski gets fired. Bloom gets hired. And I know that angry Red Sox fans want to look at Bloom, and I'm not saying that he's perfect. He's not. Like he's made poor choices. Like he has, he has made bad decisions that have led to the Red Sox not being as good as they possibly could be. But when we talk about losing Xander Bogarts, losing Mookie Betts, losing back in the day, John Lester. I saw someone say that like for whatever reason, I didn't care when John Lester left. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm Jared Carabas. I fucking went berserk when that happened. Berserk. Like you can dig up the blogs. That's when I started at Barstool. Like that was the first time that Dave ever DM'd me was because I was waiting up every single night until two o'clock in the morning, waiting to hear a decision on John Lester. He messaged me and was like, hey, because I didn't have the approval to post to the blog on my own. I had to like submit it and then Feidelberg would post it. So he messaged me. He was like, hey, if anything goes down with Lester, like you're free to post to the blog. So I was like sitting up on watch until that happened with John Lester. But I digress. Uh, This like I've pivoted obviously to ownership is clearly the problem like this is an ownership thing and could have could Bloom have made other decisions to make the red sox better yes yes but is it ownership's fault that mookie betts is not here right now yes is it ownership's fault that xander bogarts is not here right now yes and and Kind of an, an aside to that. Yes, Xander Bogarts got like took eleven years and two hundred eighty million dollars. He took a contract that no reasonable, logical Red Sox fan would would have wanted the Red Sox to match. I get that. That's fine. We can have the conversation about spring training. We've had it a million times. My issue was as I'm sort of weaving through the thought process that I think the Red Sox are having, putting on my tinfoil hat. I'm thinking to myself, okay, the Red Sox are making a half-ass effort at Xander Bogarts. Not only are they half-assing it, they're kind of insulting him along the way. Insulting him. And there's something that I heard that I haven't shared yet on this podcast. I'm sure at some point I'm going to. uh, But let me just say this. Just to like sprinkle a little bit out there in terms of what I'm talking about here. When that report came out that Xander Bogarts had severed communication with the Boston Red Sox, was that the truth? No. But when that report came out, it came out because I don't know who it was. Someone on the Red Sox side of things said something insulting about Xander Bogarts in the negotiation process. That's why that report came out. So it wasn't Xander... Like Xander didn't sever ties. Xander didn't say, hey, like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to talk to them anymore. That didn't actually happen. But when that report came out, I asked around, like, what the fuck's up with this? 
And I was told that in the communication process between agent and team that the Red Sox said something insulting about Bogarts. And they were like, fuck you guys. That's what that was about. So not only did they not pay him, but they they did not treat... I I feel like they didn't treat this entirely with respect uh, for Xander and what he's done for the organization. Um, But I, I, I... Yes, this is this still falls on ownership. Like, but but what I'm saying is thinking through the thought process of the Red Sox. Okay, if you didn't actually want Xander and you had to put up this facade that you were actually interested, fine. He goes to San Diego. Great. But then you have to pivot to a Carlos Correa. Like you have to do something. Like if you were gonna say, hey, we're really trying to sign Xander, but we really want Correa. Then it's like that's a pill that a lot of fans can swallow. But when you're saying, "Hey, we we Xander's our number one top priority," and then you insult the guy, you half-ass the effort. There is no backup plan because if you're, you know, June Lee is very tight with the the Bogarts camp. So if he's saying that that was the the real legit plan, and we got what we got, which was a half-ass effort. Then there's no plan B, and your 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 plan B was Trevor Story at shortstop, and now we get Chad Jennings reporting that oh the Red Sox aren't entirely sold on Trevor Story being their shortstop. They're kind of going back and forth on if they want it to be Kike or if they want it to be Trevor Story. If they value Trevor Story being an elite, def- that scared the fun. shit out of me. Oh my god, scare- Jesus! <laughs> was that if they if they valued. The- yeah, I, I, hit there was the, like I hit the shots fired. Shots in your building or something. I was, I was like, Red Sox ownership heard you, Jared. Quiet down. Yeah. If if they they value Trevor Story's defense at second base, being an elite defender at second, or if they really have the concern about his elbow at short, if they want Kike Hernandez in center field, do they value his defense in, in center field more than they value it at shortstop? So they don't even fucking know. Like that's it, that is why as a Red Sox fan. Oh, call me negative all you want. Like, oh, I'm pessimistic. Oh, I'm negative. I'm asking questions that I I don't think we have. Like, there isn't a, you know, Mr. Fucking Know-It-All Red Sox fan can't give me an answer to the questions that I have. We're, like, why? why? Why handle the Xander situation that way if there was no plan B? If you were like, were you really trying to sign him or were you not? Because if you were, you didn't treat it that way. And if you didn't want to sign Xander, what was plan B? Because right now we're being told that you're not cool with Trevor Story being your shortstop. You don't know if you want it to be Kike or what. So there's so many questions. And the example that I used before was when you're a kid and you think that your parents know the answer to everything. And when your parents say something, you're like, well, obviously that's true. Like that's my parents are all knowing. They are they're gods. Like I. Like, but then you grow up and then you have a mind of your own and you can do your own thinking and your own research. And sometimes your parents don't know the answer to something, a question that you have. That's kind of where I'm at with, with the Red Sox. Like when I was younger, of course, the Red Sox know what they're doing. They're the fucking Red Sox. Well, how do they not know what they're doing? This is a major franchise, one of the most popular franchises in the world. They've won championships. They're obviously they're so smart and they know what they're doing. Then you get to an age where you've seen enough, you've experienced enough. And you've talked to enough people behind the scenes to where now I am questioning certain things. What the fuck are you doing? 
And I, I can't seem to get an answer or at least a logical explanation to a lot of the questions that I have. And, and, and like, and if you, and I get, uh, so like, I understand like from a younger perspective <clears throat> to be like, Heim Bloom, very smart guy, very, very smart baseball guy. He, he, I'm sure he knows what he's doing. I'm sure he, he's smarter when it comes to baseball than the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably true. And that doesn't mean that he's being allowed to do what he wants to do. So like, even if you're a, a member of the Bluminati and you, you really love Heim Bloom and you really trust Heim Bloom, there is still the chance that Heim Bloom is being cut at the knees by the people above him and he's not being allowed to do what he wants to do and put together the team that he wants to put together. I'm not saying that necessarily that's the case, but all I'm saying is that somebody being smart and somebody being smarter than you doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be put in a position to find success. And I really don't know what the fuck is going on with this team because we haven't seen a real sense of direction. They're contradicting themselves all over the fucking place. And just the message is being really convoluted right now to where we can't trust anything. We cannot trust anything that this team tells us, and we cannot trust the direction in which they're headed. I think the real even, truth of it- Even before Heim, even before Heim, there were, there were what, what is the team philosophy questions? Like, because we can go back to John Lester. We don't pay pitchers over 40 or over 30. And then they give David Price 217 million. Like they've, they've gone against, like we've been asking, what is your team philosophy for almost a decade now, essentially. I also think that like the, the hiring of Hyman in the first place could indicate where ownership was thinking. <laughs> it's like, we can win baseball games without spending a lot of money. They didn't want to go over the luxury tax like that anymore. And there was a reason during the Ben Charrington era, they acted like they did. It was just a complete reversal of panic. You know, the fan outrage where things were going last place seasons. They didn't they weren't willing to stand for it anymore. So they completely pivot 180. I think if you really want to know and you want to test this ownership and you compare them to Steve Cohen right now, look at that Carlos Correa story. Look at the actual details of how that deal went down. It was one in the morning in Hawaii. Uh, Scott Boris is sitting in his hotel room at 1130 at night and he shoots a text to Steve Cohen saying, hey, Carlos Correa, like business is open. Let's get this done. Do you think John Henry at one in the morning while on vacation in Hawaii is taking a call from Scott Boris? Because Scott Boris doesn't give a fuck about Bloom. Scott Boris deals with ownership. That's the level he works at here because that's where these big money contracts work. Do you think John Henry's taking that call at one in the morning, staying up all night to work out that deal to say, fuck it, I'm going to go get Carlos Correa after he's already spent, you know, now it's 800 million, but a ton of money this offseason, unlike the Red Sox. Do you think John Henry sitting there and cares that much? No, well, that's well, that's what I'm talking about. The, sh- the difference between having a shiny new toy and wanting to win, because remember when they went and they got fucking Kurt Schilling at, and at that's Thanksgiving, the they gave up their Thanksgiving to go meet with Kurt Schilling so that he would choose the Red Sox over everybody else. You think they're doing that for any prime free agent now? They're Fuck not no. even fucking they're not even breaking a sweat to keep their own guys in that. So like they're that, not going to fucking extend themselves to go get somebody that they don't know. And that's it. It's how much do you care? How much do you care to be involved? And when you have Steve Cohen, who's willing to make that effort that realizes, hey, like this is the move that could push us over the top. We're not going to run ourselves like a business. I'm going to get out here. I'm going to put my dick on the table and I'm going to get this job done. It's not Billy Epler. Billy Epler, I'll send you a fucking text. We're negotiating the deal. Steve. Oh. Tough time to burn. Tough time to dump out.
This <laughs> <laughs> Mike. His mic's cut out too. Damn. He was cooking right there. <clears throat> uh, well, Ty. Don't pout. Figure it out, Tyler. Do not pout. Um, but yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I try, I, tr- I try to, to, to put myself in a positive mindset, but I like the, the team has broken me for sure. Like I, I, when, when you just expect or hope for a result X amount of times and you get the opposite result every single time. That's on you. Like you're an idiot for for believing that anything positive could happen after that. And all the news about like coming out of the the Devers situation, uh, the rumors of from like the Devers camp when it's like, hey, after Xander Bogarts signed with the San Diego Padres, did like the Red Sox aggressiveness change at all trying to sign Devers? No, no. Like that, like. Bogarts signing in San Diego did nothing to increase the Red Sox urgency to sign Rafael Devers. I I wonder do you do you think that things maybe would have went a little bit differently had Xander and this is probably maybe a stupid question based off of what you just said but like had Xander taken the the Aaron Judge route and been like throughout the course of the season basically said Yo, I'm going to hit free agency and I'm going to get I'm going to get what I deserve, whether it's the Red Sox or anybody else. You think there would have put more pressure on them to put present a reasonable, aggressive offer in front of him earlier? No, I, no. He, let's be. They just didn't want to. June Lee said it. The Red Sox in spring training when they signed Trevor Story, it was, hey. We, we don't buy into Xander Bogart's long term being that good, as good as he was this past year when he led all shortstops in B-War. Like, that's how good Xander Bogart. Say what you want about the power this year. You know, it was down. We know. But between the fielding and he still almost won a batting title, he was better than they thought. And by the end of the year, they realized between the fan outcry and where the team was at, oh, shit, we better step up. And they continued their typical you know, inability to read the market properly where they're staying behind and they're not willing to be the first one or, you know, really press the issue. And that, and that's what happens. You killed yourself based off your evaluation in spring training. That, that's I mean, where I, you got to look at that. I think it's very, very funny and very ironic that like all year long, Aaron Judge was like, yo, fuck this. I'm out of here. I'm going to get my bag. And he put together like one of the biggest fucking offensive seasons the the league in sport has ever seen. And like the bigger and bigger it got, people were like, oh, he gone. He really gone. And like Xander kept being like, I'd love to be here, which just really like very polite. Was <laughs> just like, one I'd, love, of you I'd love to stick around. And nobody was like, oh, he gone. It was just like, oh, no. yeah, they'll, they'll probably figure it out. And just the complete opposite. Judge stays, gets a huge bag. Xander goes. Just complete, Makes no complete 180 from what everybody thought. Xander was like, I, I don't want to play anywhere else. Like, yeah. I, I want to retire here. I love it here. I'll even take less money to play here. And the Red Sox were like, we love you too. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that you stay here. You're our top priority. Aaron Judge is like, I don't give a fuck Padre. about laundry. Give me my money, bitch. <laughs> yeah. And the difference yeah. is one of those two teams 
still acknowledges that it is a big market franchise. Because it, at the end of the day, who sits there when Aaron Judge, whatever, was late at night and he gets a call from Hal Steinbrenner at 3 a.m. on his yacht in fucking Italy? 3 a.m. Hey, I'm getting word that something with you and the Giants, like, I don't feel good. Those were St- or Steinbrenner's words. I didn't feel good. It felt like the tide was turning. He makes the call. That's what it is. Do you care to intervene at the ownership level when it comes to these decisions? John Henry does not. They do not care to that level. Hal Steinbrenner is willing to interrupt his vacation in Italy on a yacht. Cohen's in, you know, Hawaii. Doesn't give a fuck. He's going to make the call to get it done. John Henry, he doesn't talk to the media. Never mind making a call at 3 a.m. Dude is asleep at 7.30 every fucking night. Let's be real here. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I just, uh, I didn't want it to get here. Like, I didn't want it to get to the point where, uh, because that, that, that's so cliche in sports fandom where, when the team's not doing well to say, to scream, sell the team. Uh, but then you're just looking at things on just a factual. It's not an overreaction at this point. It's really no, not. An economic, like now you see like the sale of the commanders. It's like, this just all makes sense. Bids are due tomorrow. Like, yep. And it just all makes sense. And I can't remember who made the point. I saw it on Twitter today um, about how it's Fenway Sports Group and how John Henry was able to build the portfolio that he has off of the funding of Red Sox fans. Like he made. Like he made his fortune before, but he came in, the team was valued at what, like 200 something, $200 million. And now it's several billion dollars. Like he was able to take the sale of the Boston Red Sox and catapult that into all these lucrative franchises that he owns and is about to own. So you can, and I agree, the Red Sox are no longer his baby. But there has to be some sort of special care given to this organization. It requires, I'm not saying the pockets of a Steve Cohen, but it requires a Steve Cohen in the sense of there's a really rich guy that gives a fuck about this team's success and only this team's success. Yeah. And that's like sort of where it's, it's like I'm a little torn a a little bit because I, I don't want I, in an ideal world, I don't want them to sell the team because they are great businessmen and they they fucking know how to put together a ton of money and make a ton of money. And in turn, that gives the Red Sox a lot of money to play with in, a, in an ideal world if you're just printing money at Fenway. But if you are making all that money off of the back of Red Sox fans and then turning around and spitting in their face and spending all that money elsewhere by buying other franchises or just not putting in competitive offers or not taking it seriously to put together a quality product of uh, the the team that is making you the most money and that started this whole thing then what the fuck are we doing why are we supporting you i don't give a shit if we're make if you're making a ton of money if you're not turning around and putting it back in the team and that's the thing. Nobody is acting like the Red Sox got to be like the Mets here, or like Steve Cohen, but be like the Dodgers, be like the team who you 
your words, you said you wanted to be like, when you say you're going to have a championship year and you push well beyond the luxury tax, you actually invest that money instead of throwing out a team that didn't have a right fielder, that didn't have a first baseman, that didn't have a you know bullpen that was put together last year. Instead of going a couple million over like you're some team that's not used to going over the luxury tax. That's where that stuff really starts to piss people off. And no matter what you say, when you talk about someone like Rafael Devers, who is you know outside of Juan Soto, the best you know left-handed young bat, maybe Jordan Alvarez, you want to throw him in that conversation as well. When you're not willing to pay a player like that, there's not one you know GM or whatever title you want to put. You know, Heinblum is uh, chief baseball officer. None of those guys would ever go against paying that guy if the money was in their pocket because they realize the importance of that kind of player and the value of that kind of player. That doesn't, you know, anyone with any brain in the sport knows. That's why we're all looking at him that way. It's strictly financial and business. And that's why when you look at this situation, you're saying you can't even make the simple move of locking up one of the top young superstars in the game when you have nothing else that's at least, you know, certain on this entire team. That's why people stand here and sit and say, get out of the sport. Because at that point, you're not even doing the bare minimum. You are completely under. And for a franchise like the Boston Red Sox that has the amount of fans, the amount of passion where you can argue there's no fan base in any sport that follows them, that cares about them, whether you're on the hating side, on the positive side or whatever it may be, you can't be a part of this system, this ecosystem and act like that. It's just not possible. And And we're willing to take that risk. And that tells you, we all know what's possible if the wrong person buys this team. We could be in hell. We could be in hell forever. But we're still at the point where we're willing to take a risk over not, you know, doing the bare minimum and being a baseball club that you can at least respect. And to Jared's point earlier, like, yeah, they brought four championships like we that's we still appreciate that. Like you don't lose appreciation for that. I understand what this group has done for this organization. I cared then. I still care now. That's the fucking difference. They don't seem to care now. They cared then. And so, like, I can still appreciate what they've done, but then also be worried for where we're heading in the future, because I'm still going to care in 10 years. If they don't care right now, are they going to care in 10 years? And are they going to still own the team? Are we going to go through 10 years of misery and keep doing this every fucking year? I fucking hope not. That portfolio is getting bigger by the day, whether it's, the yeah, commanders, it's not going to get smaller, no, whether they're going to buy that basketball team in Las Vegas 10 years from now, who knows what the hell is going to be popping off in what sport or whatever they may get into as it gets. Yeah, they're going to sell. They're going to sell Liverpool. They're, you know, they're going to sell Anfield, which, by the way, people have tweeted at us uh, since last week's episode when we talked about them not owning uh, the Liverpool stadium. They do own Anfield. So that's our mistake. Um, but like, yeah, they might sell Liverpool and Anfield, but they're going to turn around and put that money into a different team. They're only selling Liverpool and Anfield because the value is <laughs> never going to never going to be higher than it is right now. And part of that reason might be because Liverpool fans have a lot of the same complaints about the way that they've treated Liverpool as the way that they're treating the Red Sox right now is that they they're not spending big. They don't seem to particularly care about the success of the club. They care about the value of the club and they're cashing out at the maximum height. And then you're going to see them if they make a bid tomorrow on the commanders, like a lot of people are thinking they're going to that. The NFL is what dominates in this country. It is the biggest thing. You think that thing's not going to get more attention than the Red Sox and baseball, which it shouldn't. But in their eyes, what do you think? That investment is going to be, you know, seven, eight million dollars, whatever Daniel Snyder is selling it for. The Red Sox are three point nine. I think it's a little bit more than $8 million. Is it going to be even beyond that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you, you fall. Did I say million? Definitely. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Million. <laughs> you know, seven, eight billion dollars. You look at the Red Sox are at 
simple math. Yeah. Well, I'm I mean, so glad this is the jolly Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. This is the Christmas episode. Well, we, we gifted the, the listeners Brock because I knew mm-hmm. that we couldn't just not talk about this stuff. Like, I feel like a lot of Red Sox fans are like, give it, give me the therapy pod every fucking week. Give us the therapy pod. Yeah. <laughs> We're in therapy and permanently. Yeah. It's just, We're it's going like to suck for a long time. It, it, uh, uh, barring unforeseen circumstances, it's going to be like this. Like, it's just going to be like this because uh, we can say, you know, oh, let's take up our pitchforks and we'll show them by not watching or not caring. But it's like, People are still going to watch. I mean, maybe they won't watch, but like, it's not going to make that much of a difference to them. I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. I mean, maybe people really will tune out to the point where they're like, fuck, we need... Because they used to do that. Back in the day, they used to care about the ratings and be like, we need to make a splash because no one's watching these games. The ratings are down. We need to sign stars. Um, But I would just love to know what they're thinking right now. Like, Because right now, it does not seem like they have a plan. It seems like they had a plan and the plan blew up in their face. That's what it seems like. Yeah. And, and now they're going to straddle the middle for an entire year and sit underneath. And then we're going to see where we are a year from now, whether Devers is here or not, and whether they want to make the jump or they just want to kind of sit here. No, he won't it, be. It, if, it, if the report right now from June Lee is that the Red Sox and Rafael Devers are, quote, galaxies apart. And he will not negotiate in season. You will not get from galaxies apart to pen, like ink on paper before opening day. He will go to free agency. And once he is a free agent, there are a lot of owners out there that are not a lot, but there are a few owners out there lurking with fuck you money and they're not afraid to spend it. The Red Sox are. The Red Sox are. They are a team that is afraid to spend the money and they won't. And if you're one of these, I don't even say tinfoil hat people. If you're one of these fucking morons that think that the Red Sox aren't spending right now because they're going to enter the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. <laughs> stop. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. In that, that, that John Heyman article is- came out today. Nine agents were polled. A majority of them said that number starts with a fucking five. They won't even pay Xander fucking two. You think they're going to pay Shohei Otani a number that starts with five? Stop. And if there is a silver lining, you can tell me if this is reasonable. Uh, The Mets getting a third baseman this week seems like it's a silver lining. Okay, and then... I, see, I felt that way, and then I started thinking. I was like, "Well, now the Giants are so fucking poverty and desperate; they'll probably throw whatever money total possible." Now, will they get them? Probably not, because San Diego is going to be sitting there and telling them, "Hey, Manny Machado just opted out. Do you want to go play with your best friend again?" You're going to have that whole situation, yep. but you're just opening another one. And it, it's even more bizarre to me with this Rafael Devers situation. Now, it's like, okay, y- your galaxies apart. Would anyone not give that Carlos Correa contract to Rafael Devers immediately? It may not get it done, but 12 years, 315? That's the ballpark. Sure. That's where you start. That's you can just put that on the table and say, hey, we're, you know, we're right here. We're at least the 20-yard line now. We know that we're playing the right game. We're not on totally different planets. 
but they won't even start there because there's not the ability to understand the market or at least to spend the money. And I think it's a combination of both. I think mostly it's not spending the money when it comes to someone of Devers, you know, age and everything. But that's it. You have the street. You have to walk down. The money number is right there and you're just ignoring it. And if you don't trade him right now, that's even more irresponsible to say, hey, we're going to take it to the trade deadline, which Bloom said himself. He said, you know, don't expect him dealt this offseason. What are you doing? Just own it. If you're not going to keep him, just own it. We saw what you got from Mookie, and that was with David Price's contract, you know, attached. Obviously, it wasn't what you ultimately wanted. But if you're going to sell off your main foundational piece, really the one you have left, and just say, hey, we'll see what happens this year for a year where you're not going to win a ring. Maybe you somehow sneak into the playoffs if everything goes right. What the fuck are you doing? It makes no sense on any level. That's awful, awful business decisions on top, on top, on top again and again. It's like, are you just willing to fuck your franchise more to buy yourself, you know, five more months before it goes full nuclear here and it absolutely completely blows up in front of everybody? Is that it? Because if that's the case, rip the fucking bandaid off. Just do it now. Get it over with. That's it. I, I kind of subscribe to the same theory where if you truly, if you know ballpark what Rafi's number is and you have no intention of getting anywhere close to it, gotta trade him. just do it now. You got to Get it over him. with. Just do it now. You're not competing for a ring this yeah, year. Do it at, now. Least, at least it will come off like you have a plan or like exactly. you have some sort yeah. of conviction uh, about the way that you're going to approach things. Just like yeah. stumbling all over yourself and you know shooting yourself in the foot and compounding mistakes over and over and over again is not going to make anything better. Just max if that's the case, maximize your return. Be honest. Say, hey, you know, Casas, Bayo, you know, Meyer in a couple of years, hopefully we'll be here. We're going to get those extensions done with the first two so that we're like the Braves. We're like the Astros. Those are the teams we want to be that don't really go over the luxury tax, but spend a good amount of money. You know, we'll be. We'll be a little better than middle class, but we're not going to be the fucking Boston Red Sox. All right. At least say it. Just be honest about it. Don't sit here and, you know, play around with us and pretend like you're this this big market team when it's so clear to everybody. You're just not thinking or operating that way. Own it. Stop talking to us like we're fucking stupid because we're not. We all see it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if they were to trade Devers now and they were like, hey, the plan, I know that it, this stings, but the plan is that like we're going to be really competitive and like we're going to contend in like four or five years with the with the team that we're we're building and we're putting pieces together based off the return from Devers. I think there would be some pushback because it'd be like, OK, in four or five years, like Devers is going to be 30 years old. He could still really contribute to that team. But at least you could point to, to like some sort of direction and some sort of vision coming into place. And you could buy yourself some time and some patience with the fan base where they'd be like, all right, well, let's let's wait and see this out. But as it stands, it really seems like they're making decisions on the fly and those decisions are contradicting themselves. And it's very, very tough to comprehend. And that's why if you trade Devers, say next week or whatever it may be, it just goes. It's like, all right, so what the fuck were you doing at the trade deadline last year? Like you could have had arguably the number one farm system in baseball if you hit these different moves and got under the tack and then deal Devers. It's just you're choosing to just sit in that middle class like of baseball. And I think in sports right now, that's the worst place you can be. Just average. You're in purgatory. It doesn't get you anywhere. It's just a team denying that they need to get under either they need to rebuild or they need a complete philosophy change. It's one or the other. And that's where the Red Sox feel like they live. 
Did you see Stats tweeted that if they don't get a deal done with Devers, that he's deleting his account? It's dude. Like I don't blame him for feeling that way. Because at that point, it's like, what are we doing? Like, what are we? Take all- care of your mentals, man. <laughs> Take care of your mentals. I think that Stats would like have have a conniption. Like, and so if you got to get off Twitter, if that happens, by all means, thank you for your service. Protect your mentals. Because <laughs> at that Thank point, you. at that point, that's John Henry telling you, I don't give a fuck about the baseball mm-hmm. team. I don't care whether we're, you know, making we're, I don't care that we're just making logical baseball decisions. None of it matters to me. It's what that bottom line is. That's all that I care about. And at that point, no I'm one sure. wants to be a fan. Stats tweeted. Um, I think it's very likely the Red Sox pay Devers. I think we hear about a major push to get it done over the next month. At that point, I drop the odds substantially and would bet on a Devers trade before spring training. They'd pack the entire shit sandwich into one offseason. And then someone tweeted him and said, from your point of view, what does plan B look like if they opt to trade him? Where do we go from there? And Stat said, I won't be on Twitter anymore to discuss it. So not my problem. (laughs) But like, that's the thing. And that would be another contradiction that (laughs) like you would already be contradicting yourself again. That could also this is very dark, but that could be interpreted in in one of two ways. He's either going to delete his count or he's going to kill himself. Uh, I'll do both. (laughs) I'll yeah, I'll probably do both. I, I will. I will join stats in in that initiative. Because at that point. Like, I am not interested in pretending to be interested in a team that isn't interested in in being a team. You're not the Red Sox. Does that? And I'm I'm really not interested in the bullshit that you're going to be fed after after the fact. Yeah, I'm sure that there are some diehard Red Sox fans that may be listening to this conversation being like, you guys got no hot. You're you're a fucking pink hat fan. You ain't you a bandwagon fan? Oh, cause times are times are hard. Now now you gonna jump off? <laughs> it's like I I I have been here through hard times. I have podcasted through many hard times. We started this season in a last place finish. 2015 was the first year of Section 10. Uh, 2016 got swept out of the playoffs, still made it fine. 17, 18 was awesome. 19 was fucking not fun. 20 was brutal. 21 was great. Last year sucked. I think next year is going to be even worse. I I think next year is going to fucking suck. I'm sorry if that comes off as negative. Uh, I would like to be pleasantly surprised, but I just don't, I don't see it. I don't see how you're going to go into a season where you're still having a conversation. We don't know who our shortstop is. We don't know who our center fielder is. Uh, we took a dude out of the bullpen. We put him in the rotation, I guess. We're kind of banking on this dude that hasn't had a full season in since 2017. He's our number two starter. Like, There's just there's so many question marks, and there's so many just... It, the vibes are so It's bad. just a lack the of... vibes are a so lack of, <laughs> Yeah, the vibes are terrible. It's a lack of focus. It's a lack of planning. It's a, it's a lack of philosophy. It's a lack of effort uh, from the front office. You know, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to see what's gone on and what is going on and be like, I can't fucking wait for opening day. I just don't feel that way. And that's uh, to be put 
And I know Tyler works there full time. Congratulations, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. I take a paycheck from the sports hub to be put in, in the category of you're just like Felger and Maz and you're just you're trashing the Red Sox for ratings. Like, dude, I am the biggest fucking Red Sox fan on planet Earth. Period. You cannot exceed how much I care. You can only match it. There's no one, and I say this with all sincerity, there's not a motherfucker alive who cares about the Boston Red Sox more than I do. Fact. I want them to win. I just don't like what's going on right now. So if I come off as complainy or whiny or mopey, it's because the main thing in my life that makes me happy is the Red Sox being good. So when people interfere with that, that's when I get fucking mad. That's when I come off as negative. Because right now, like before, it's like, oh, you tweet about the Yankees all the time. Yeah, that's because in 2018, I felt like the Yankees were the biggest thing standing in between my way of being happy, which is the Red Sox winning. And now I'm talking about the fucking ownership. Because right now, ownership is the biggest thing standing in my way of being happy, which is the Red Sox winning. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, if yeah, I've well, ever I mean, come off as negative or pissy or whiny to you, and if that's annoying to you now, and if you think that I've switched up and I've changed and I'm not super positive anymore, it's because I want the Red Sox to win and there's something in my way to, to achieve that. Right now, it's ownership. I'm not even worried about the fucking Orioles or the Blue Jays or the Rays or the Yankees. I'm not worried about playing baseball teams. I'm worried about having one in Boston. Yeah, and it's like when you're invested as you are and you're and you're a Red Sox fan and you know how bad it feels after like a shitty loss. And if you even if you're not like a huge Red Sox fan, you know how bad it feels to have a shitty day. Now, think about like literally just subscribing to nine months of shitty days and knowing that that's what is ahead of you for the next nine months at like at minimum. Maybe there are going to be some some good days mixed in. But for the most part, the majority of the next nine months are going to be shit. Are you going to be super happy and positive about that? Probably not. You're probably going to dread the next nine months. Mm -hmm. That's just how being a sports yeah. fan works. And I, and when I the team wear sucks. it. And I have to fucking wear it. Like in turn, and I've said this to the players before. I'm like, you guys got it fucking easy. You guys get to after the game, you fucking lose. You stand up in front of fucking Pete Abraham and, and whoever the fuck uh, in, in the locker room. You answer a couple questions. You go home to your wives and kids and, and you show back up the next day. I get tortured on social media indefinitely until you win again. That's the only time that I have peace is when you win. And you're going to, even if you win 100 games, you're still going to lose 62 goddamn times. So I have to wear it. Like I am the most forward facing person in the Red Sox space in terms of fans from all teams, from all corners of the internet having access, I am the most forward-facing motherfucker out there. For you guys, I don't have control over what you do. I don't have control if you play a good game. I don't have control if you pay this player. I have no control over any of this. But out of everyone on planet Earth that gets the most shit for, for your successes and your failures, I'm probably right at the top of that list. So that's maybe why I'm a little insane right now, because I know the shit storm that's coming. And I've just went through one last year. I hate when it's back to 2014, 2015, 2016, 
2015, that sucked. Guess what? My platform wasn't really as big as it is right now. So I just know the shitstorm that is brewing down the road if this continues to go this way. You lost Xander. All right, JD's gone. Okay, Mookie's gone. All right, now you got Devers is the last piece. That's it. What else of value are you really looking at being like, we need to keep this guy. He's a piece of the future right now. That's it. Devers is the last piece. And the last update that we got is that you're galaxies apart. Galaxies. Do you know how big, Jake, do you know how big a fucking galaxy is, dude? I've heard it's huge. Huge. It's fucking huge. So I know what's coming down the road and it's not going to be fun. And, and to Pete's point, it affects your mentals, okay? Like when the Red Sox are so bad, like my worst mental years are the years that the Red Sox were not good at baseball. So now imagine just no, like, you know, I'm going to go to a fucking New Year's Eve party in a couple of Saturdays and everyone's going to be like, woo, 2023, baby, new year. Let's fucking go. What's your resolution? What are your goals for this year? I'm going to be like, not going to kill myself. Like that's going to be my first thought is because I know that things are probably not going to be good over at fucking Ford Jersey Street, Boston, Massachusetts. Zero twenty twenty two one five. That's what I, that's my thought process right now is I'm in for it the next goddamn year. And even after that, I don't have a promise or a guarantee that things are going to get better. That is why I am quote unquote negative. Well, like, I don't it's think like, it's think about your do- think about your dog dying a hundred times a year. And then as soon as your dog dies, you log on to Twitter and your entire mentions are. Fuck your dog, you piece of shit. Your dog fucking mm-hmm. sucks. I hope your dog never lives again. And it's just that. Every day, every day, because that's every what it's day, gonna be every like. day. <laughs> Literally, that is all I get every fucking day that the Red Sox and I can't say anything like I, when I tell you that I, I had that tweet chirping Aaron Judge like Aaron Judge was like, I came back because of my legacy and because of the best fans and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, what legacy? You didn't win any championships. Uh, these are the same fans. Oh, he's like best city in the world. In front of the best fans for my legacy. It's like, first of all, you don't have a legacy. You haven't won a championship. Second of all, not the best city. That city sucks. It smells like piss and microwave it's, trash. It's a bad city. And it's not bad the best city. fans in the world. Like every universally, everyone thinks that they're the worst fans in the world. They booed you booed after you, you hit playoff. 62 home runs. And and I had I had at least a couple Red Sox fans responding to that, being like, Dude, bro, this is cringe. One Red Sox fan said. Can some other fan base claim this man? Like a Red Sox fan was like, "Bro, we don't make fun, like we don't make fun of the Yankees anymore." Like the young like, that generation of if we if that's the next generation of Red Sox fans being like, "Bro, you can't you can't make fun of the Yankees anymore." Like, come on, you grow up, you accurate age. Excuse me. When I was a kid in 1999. I saw a man get a broomstick broken over his fucking head because the Yankees swept the Red Sox and a Yankee fan was sweeping on, which is now Big Poppy Bridge, was sweeping the bridge and a Red Sox fan took the broom from him and cracked it over his fucking head. That's how I grew up. Now, I don't condone violence and physical assault. I'm not saying that we need to get back to those times. What I am saying 
is that if I'm throwing out a Yankee bait tweet to to troll the, the Yankee fans and that's and too Red far. Sox fans have an issue with that. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck. I don't want to live here anymore. I want to get through my 30s, retire at 40, delete my social media, and that's it. I don't I I want to disappear. If that's the world that we're going to live in, where like we have to be we can't even we can't even poke fun at the Yankees anymore. What is going on? I don't get it. I don't get it. It's driving me nuts. I don't get it. And and, and yeah. I do want to say even though we are poverty right now, we are a poverty organization. Come on. Can we please look at the last fucking 22 years, please? Can we, can we please look at the fucking rings? It's not that hard. It's not that hard this century. Like, say what you want. Things may be bad. We are in a bad, dark place. Scoreboard. Look at the fucking scoreboard. It's not hard. Yeah, I mean, there, you have to. I mean, I think you definitely have to, like, approach it with a sense of self-awareness when, like, you know, we we have to recognize the Red Sox as currently stands or a poverty, fr- poverty franchise. and Poverty. Like, and it's it's pretty embarrassing and it's pretty embarrassing to be a Red Sox fan right now. And so you have to you have to carry some of that self-awareness into it. But like the Red Sox sucking doesn't mean that you have to respect the Yankees or doesn't mean that you have to like be like, well, they're doing it the right way. No, fuck the Yankees. They're still like I'm always going to hate the Yankees. They're always I'm never going to say a nice thing like great. They kept Aaron Judge, but that's just because. They paid him. It's not because they're the best city in the world, not because they're the best fans in the world. And I still hope that stadium fucking catches on fire tomorrow. Like, it, that's not that's never going to change. Oh. <laughs> that's right, Pete. <laughs> that's right, dude. Fuck the Yankees. Fuck them. Fuck Aaron Judge. Fuck his contract. Fuck Derek Jeter for showing up at the press conference. Fuck Aaron Boone, good friend of mine. Fuck him. Fuck Josh Donaldson, one of my close personal friends. Fuck him. IKF, fuck you too. Harrison Bader, fuck you. Fuck Tommy Canley. (laughs) Tommy Canley, go fuck yourself, dude. Who else? Who else? Who else can get some on this fucking team? <laughs> Anthony Rizzo. I'm going to pull up right now. Pull up the roster. Let's see. 20, Anthony 23. Rizzo, go fuck yourself. <laughs> fuck Aaron Hicks. Who? Fuck Aaron, Aaron Hicks. Hicks. Fuck Aaron Hicks. Oh, Jerry. Fuck Labor Torres. Say oh, the one, fuck Jerry. DJ LeMayhew. Fuck Wandy Peralta. Fuck Garrett Cole. <laughs> fuck Nestor Cortez. Fuck John Carlos Stanton. I love him, but fuck him. Fuck Michael King. Shout out to BC. Fuck BC. Fuck Anthony Rizzo. Great dude, but fuck you. Fuck Frankie Montas. <laughs> fuck Debbie. <laughs> fuck Frankie Montas. Uh, fuck Wandy Peralta. Fuck Clark Schmidt, who was nice enough to give me the tip that he was getting called up. Fuck you. I broke the news that he was getting called to the big leagues. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Uh, is a role Chapman still in the Yankees? No, because especially fuck, fuck him. No, still, but fuck him matter. too. Fuck Oswaldo Cabrera. Fuck Oz- Oswald Peraza and fuck Jose Trevino. <laughs> fuck Harrison. <laughs> 
Fuck Harrison Bader. Fuck Babe Ruth. Fuck George Steinbrenner. Fuck Hal Steinbrenner. Fuck all the Steinbrenner family. Um, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> fuck Joe DiMaggio. Fuck Lou Gehrig. Fuck uh, Roger Maris. Mickey fuck Mano. Roger Maris Junior. Especially um, and fuck, fuck all Yankee fans. Every single one. Fuck you guys. All right. Uh, that felt good. That felt good to get that out. You know what? It feels good to get in. Athletic Greens. Got to get that into your system. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to get better gut health and more energy. And I've been on it for a few weeks and I feel great. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. And here's why I love it. We're doing a million podcasts. We're still doing a bunch of videos. It's tiring. Waking up, taking my AG1 gives me the energy that I need to talk to these fools and try to be entertaining and on my A game every single day. I've got all my vitamins and minerals I need in one easy scoop serving. And now that I'm on the road, I'm going to be on the road a little bit. I, mean, I think I'm probably the only one going to winter weekend. I didn't even want to go, but I guess I'm going now. Um, now that I'm on the road more, I bring the to-go packs with me for the early wake-up calls. It costs you less than three bucks a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Supports better sleep quality and recovery. And right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system, especially this time of the year, with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune system supporting vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Red Sox. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Red Sox to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate Daily Nutritional Insurance. <sighs> that felt good. That felt good. Please, can we never get to a place where like that's like not cool? Like you just, oh, you can't do that, bro. You can't touch it. But what? It's crazy. Bananas. It's crazy. Especially because like they don't win either. Like, <laughs> if they want one something. Of those like, yeah. It's be one of those things where like if they're like the reigning champs and you're a poverty franchise, you're like, maybe yeah. just lay low for a year. They're not winning shit yeah. either. The, the reality is, in which is case, I would probably read the room. That's it. The reality is, there's 13 year olds who were born in 2009 after they last won that have not seen a Yankees championship. That's the reality. If you're mm-hmm. a 13 year old Red Sox fan, guess what you've seen? You got at least two rings. Now you're missing the best two. one in 2007, but you got 2013 and 2018, so you have something. That's it. Mm. Yeah. <sighs> I feel so much better. You I look needed better. That. You have like the color in your like, face. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting a little pale for a second, and now my face is full of Christmas spirit. I know how so. math works, but it's just like, it's pretty unbelievable that somebody born in 2009 could be 13 years old. Is that true? <laughs> They're saying. Jesus. I remember, I remember watching that World Series dressed as Mike, no, not Mike Rizzioni. I was dressed as Jim Craig in full goalie pads at UMass Amherst. <laughs> 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 yeah. We're up there for Halloween. 
it snowed. That was 13 years ago. I'm glad that like I don't look older. But like shit like that makes me feel older for sure. I was sitting in uh, my fifth grade classroom. Hanging out, getting excited for middle school. That I mean like that shit doesn't really like phase me. It's it's more like uh, like a person was born in 2009 and now they're 13 years old. Shouldn't be allowed. Like a, yeah. Yeah. That's outrageous. Yeah, I don't love that. I don't love thinking about that. <laughs> well, that that's the uh, thing. Well, Mikey Romero was born in 2004. He was born after the Red Sox won in 04. Right? No. Let me see. Oh, no. Before January 12, 2004. Think about that. <laughs> mm. No, I don't want to think about that. I'd rather not. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd rather not. I'm just, I told you, I'm just going to ride out my 30s. Then I'm going to get to 40 and just fucking. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, the Red Sox could be speeding up that timeline at this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I still have. I still, I, I still enjoy talking about the whole league. Like, I don't have to like, obviously the Red Sox are my, my love and my passion and my number one thing in my life, but I can still definitely get the juices flowing for non-Red Sox baseball. So <clears throat> that'll carry me through my thirties. Can you imagine like five years down the line and you've been listening to Dallas make fun of you and the Red Sox <laughs> every single episode every single week how you won't be alive there's no way you can survive that yeah but dallas dallas making fun of me and the red sox is like getting shot with like a squirt gun it's like you're an a's fan you're an a's broad you're an a's employee like what are you gonna say to me like at least i've seen four you haven't seen one and you're never gonna see one (laughs) and i know that like you can say that to a yankee fan and you're just trying to hurt their feelings like they very well could win next year who knows but at least our state, at least our stadium's nice. Like at least it's nice to go to a game, and it's not like overflowing with sewage every four games. Yeah, like you're not going to get fucking AIDS by going by sitting down in a seat somewhere <laughs> in the Coliseum. You can get a six dollar hep- hot dog and hepatitis. <laughs> yeah, at an A's game. Mm-hmm. And that's not even a joke. That's real. <laughs> that could happen. I heard about so. That. Yeah. Dallas can say whatever he wants. It's not. It's not any of my concern. But. And then, I mean, you still like, you know, when, if if and when the Yankees get eliminated from the playoffs, like that still feels pretty good. So even if the Red Sox aren't in it, just knowing that they're not also winning like that feels good. Doesn't obviously feel as good as the Red Sox winning, but it still feels good. So, but it is a sad existence to be like, oh, that's the only thing that you can look forward to now. Like you just. I don't like this coping talk. It's making me sad. I don't want to cope. I want to have hope. That was a bar. (laughs) (sighs) God. Christmas episode. We're gonna go down the roster again. (laughs) I don't care about. Pick a year. (laughs) 
Pull up the pull up the 2009 Yankees roster. Let's get to work, boys. <laughs> Fuck Jorge Posada. Fuck Mark Teixeira. Fuck Robinson Cano. Fuck Derek Jeter. Fuck A-Rod. I love Johnny Damon. He slept at my apartment. Fuck him. Fuck Melky Cabrera. Fuck Nick Swisher. And fuck Hideki Matsui. Brett Gardner. Fuck him. Oh. Why did that just... Why did the music stop? What? That is not... Please. That's not in the Christmas... All right. There we go. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, Why does it keep stopping? You're at Brett Gardner. Please don't stop. I gotta pull it up on my laptop now. I'm not stopping. 2009 Yankees roster. Uh, I gotta get to the pitchers. Who is on this fucking team? No, you, got, you, got, you, got, you gotta start. You gotta pick up at Jose Molina. Yeah. Fuck CeCe Sabathia. Fuck AJ Burnett. Fuck Andy Pettit. Fuck Jobber Chamberlain, who I'm I'm friends with him too. Fuck him. Fuck Mariano Rivera. I'm friends with Phil Hughes. Fuck him. Phil Coke. Fuck you. David Robertson. Fuck you too. Alfredo Aceves, Red Sox legend, but fuck you. Be careful there. <laughs> what? Alfredo Aceves? My Seves? friend. My friend, <laughs> Phil Hughes. Fuck Phil Hughes. Be careful with Alfredo Yeah, fuck Phil Hughes. Yeah, he'll kill you. Uh, that's pretty much it, right? I'm not gonna say fuck Eric Hinsky. He won a World Series for the Red Sox. So did Damon, but like Damon, like really contributed. Fuck Kevin Cash. Kevin Cash was on that team. Yup. Fuck Jose fuck Molina and fuck fuck Mark Melanson and fuck Jerry Harrison was on that team. I love Jerry. Fuck you though. And fuck Francisco Cervelli. Woo! And fuck Angel Barroa and Shelly Duncan. Fuck Joe Girardi. Fuck the 2000. Yeah, fuck Joe Girardi and the 2009 New York Yankees. I <laughs> felt good. Jake, how do you feel? I forgot how mo- how fun it is to just hate the Yankees. So I'm feeling yeah. great right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they'll. A lot of Yankee fans listen to this podcast. Some of them will probably laugh. Some of them will probably screen record their little fucking iPhones and then they'll they'll tweet out the segment and be like, Red Free, bro! We just signed fucking Carlos Rodon. He's going to throw fucking 89 innings for us next year, but it's going to be sick, bro! He's got no beard, too, bro! It's one of the best traditions in sports, bro! Shave your beard, bro! Red Free. <clears throat> I'm down bad. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> it's okay. Have pride. It's preposterous. No, I do have pride. The Yankees are still making players shave their beards, especially Crazy. after looking at what some of them look like. See, uh, Pete, you're like, you would think that that would that tradition would absolutely die with Garrett Cole and just realizing how weak his chin is. No, never yeah. mind. We're 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 abandoning yeah, this like, tradition uh, real quick. We paid this dude three hundred and twenty six million dollars. If he wants a beard, he can have a beard. Also, yeah. like think about the idea that the Yankees will allow players to have neck tattoos and hand tattoos, but they draw <laughs> the line at a fucking goatee. <laughs> You guys have seen Aaron Judge with the domestic violence. You got a job. Beard? Get the 
fuck out of here. Shout out to um, Chapman and you guys uh, got her plans. Mom. Yep, Domingo. Uh, you guys got plans for Christmas? What do you guys got going on? My mom's hosting me downstairs. Okay. This isn't the last show of the year, is it? No, we still go on next week. Yeah. Um, Jake, what are you doing for Christmas? I'm going back home, chilling my mom, my girlfriend. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. Do you any takes on Rafi? Love to watch him play in Boston the rest of his career. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I love watching him play baseball in Boston specifically. Would love to continue to watch him play baseball for the Red Sox. Like, of course, I'm going to get to watch him regardless. He, he'll either be with the Red Sox or elsewhere, but I... I'm with you. I prefer I prefer him being with the Red Sox. I will say it's quite scary to see certain parts of that Bluminati squad now saying like Rafael Devers is fat and you do not want to give him that money. Uh, you know, who who yeah. would want to give Rafael Devers 350 <laughs> to 400 million? You people were the everyone saying well, that no matter what he would get paid. And now you're <clears> trying to talk yourselves out of it. It shows that no matter what happens, there will be certain people that agree. eat yeah. the bullshit. Yep. And and Obviously, I don't subscribe to like he's fat, don't pay him. But I do see where some fans are coming from when they say like Nolan Arenado is a platinum glove defender, plus he hits 40 bombs and 30 doubles and drives in 120 runs and has like a 140 weighted runs created plus. Uh, so it's like you're, you're paying Nolan X for offense and defense, and then you're paying Devers X for offense. So yeah. I get, I get but when the people market balk changes. at like the, it, that's, that's what that's happens. It. Yeah, no like, doubt. No doubt. Manny Machado got 10, 300. It's like if those players were around today, they'd be easily, you know, at that age and everything like Manny Machado was what turning 27, like Rafael Devers will be in a year. Just again, yeah, you don't have to abide by easy. a salary cap like the money. Who cares? And, and when you don't get these extensions done before and you kick the can down the road over and over and over again, this is the price you pay. Yep. It's only going up. Mm-hmm. I don't want to end on that note. You know what we should end on? What should we end on? Wyatt Mills. Who? Don't even. Don't disrespect him like that. Don't. don't oh, the don't reliever? Like, yes, the reliever. The reliever? The, the, the sidearm guy? Cosmer out the door. Yes, John Schreiber Jr. John Schreiber have Jr. That's, that's what we're calling him. Have you seen the mechanic? I've seen, I've seen the tape. Yeah, yeah I've seen I'm the saying, tape. It's interesting. It's interesting. 369 FIP last year in All 29 right. innings. 29 big league innings? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. What was his ERA? Like a fucking 4-9? Who uses ERA anymore? That's, that's such an old <laughs> boomer stat. I don't just ask. What is it? What is it? 479. 479? 479. Okay. I mean, I knew <laughs> it had to be bad if you, were, if you went straight to FIP. So. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Well, hey, let, let's was, be real. What was, what, what was, was the whip? What, what was the whip? What was the K9? 
the K per nine was eight. So, you know, a little a little on the lower side. Walk per nine was about this dude four. sucks, but, Tyler. All right. <laughs> hey, we just got to add some velocity here. We got to get him to stand next what to was the whip? driver. It w- was the whip above? If the whip was above a one, two, five, then I'm hanging up on you. Okay. All right. We just, just give me a second here to pull, put the. What was that. it? What was his whip? <laughs> Can, can you just set the line one whip? more time? It was a please. one four. It was a one four. Was it a one four? No, no. It was below that. Worse. It was a it was one below three, that. Three, or no, in a good way. It was. It was one three three. I mean, it's still higher than I. I would give a fuck about. Listen, Dude, John Schreiber sucks. Three. Josh, I'm not saying that he can't become he something, but those those numbers don't impress me. Especially the fucking eight strikeouts per nine. Like, get fucked hey. with that. <clears throat> hey, eighty seventh percentile. Welcome to the Red extension. Sox, though. Welcome to the Red Sox, dude. Welcome to the Red Sox. He's a he's a work in progress, man. What's his name? Bray Wyatt. Yes, Bray Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Uh, we'll be back. We're not taking next week off, so we'll be back. With a post-Christmas, another depressing episode of the Name Redacted podcast. Uh, Enjoy the time with your loved ones, your friends, your family. And uh, we'll catch you back here next week where surely there is a 0% chance the Red Sox will sign Rafael Devers. uh, Maybe at any point, but definitely not before the next show. So, have a good one. Buenas noches, amigos.